actually felt like a guitar hero at all. And you just, people were putting on the cover of Guitar Player magazine. Here he is, God. I mean, do you feel a little odd about that sort of thing? It's it's nice, but sometimes it's like, come on, you know, I'm just a punk kid who plays guitar, <laughs> you know. And do you ever surprise yourself when you're playing? You're playing along something, you hit some some run of notes, and say, "Wow!" Oh yeah, sometimes I freak myself out. <laughs> you know, you go, "Whoa, it's kind of magical," you know. But those, you know, those kind of things you can't always uh, count on. You know, yeah. it's just ins inspirational, you know, spur and moment thing. And wow, how did I do that? And I'll try to do it again, and I can't. <laughs> you know. Not so much the rules, they didn't mind the shit the boys could go. It was just the turmoil of certain guys that had big fat contracts that weren't doing anything. Or guys that you needed to get rid of. Right. You just didn't need them. Or guys that were on roids and raging and, and nice hurting people Scott and stuff like that. Yeah, Scott, Scotty Steiner, uh, Rick Steiner, I think is a quality guy. Did you get along with Bill Watts? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got along with Bill, he was great to me. He was a fucking prick. Scotty uh, is not near, to me, he's a legend in his own mind. And he's a problem. He's a real problem because he doesn't mind. He'll, he'll hurt people. Wahoo told me he was, you know, he's a piece of shit. Bill had his son, and Eric Russell, Arn Anderson, and he did something and it hurt Arn. And my brother was pissed, so he went in and confronted Bill to his face. He was a fucking prick. Uh, he was pushing his son a lot, you know? And it was like, man, his son would come in, like, just destroy everything that, I mean, it was, he put Arn Anderson in a, his, uh, a move in a parking lot when they were trying to, it was just, it was ridiculous, man. It was like. So, so Scotty Steiner was a problem. He intimidates the shit out of him, and he's just not that good. He was just an old piece of shit that wanted to say that he was tough at one time, and, but. Did you and Bill Watts ever come to like a... Oh, yeah. I, no, I called him out, you know. And I remember he tried to take the belt back from Scott Steiner, and Scott wouldn't give it to him. So Scott had it at TV, had the belt at TV, and Scott used to always bring his dog. He had a pit bull named Arnold, and Arnold would sit by Scott's bag, and you know, nobody went to that bag. I seen them make that dog. He almost ate up Tommy Rich one time, but they pulled him off. He was a fucking prick. You think you were speaking for a lot of guys? Or? Oh, I know I was, you know. And I was, you know, you know. How'd he respond to that? Tail between the legs. So. So you didn't get along with him? No. Well, he was just an asshole, you know. He was a fucking prick. But they, they, they sicked him on Tommy Rich. But uh, Bill Watts tried to take that belt, and he told Bill Watts, well, go and get it. It's right there in my bag. And Arnold was sitting that drunk right there. I don't think Scott gave it to him. He might have that bill today. Yeah, he was pissed off, and he was gonna, they were going to go at it. And then, you know, some of the uh, office administration people from Ted Turner come in, and they stopped it. Well, then, that's when the writing was on the wall. It was time we, we needed to go, and that's how we, my brother, they said they were going to renew mine, but they didn't renew my brother. Well, I wasn't going to do anything unless I deal with my brother, so we won't. And he wanted to outshine his brother, which I didn't want him doing. I wanted Rick to be the, the, the key guy, because I knew I could count on him. But Rick is more loyal to blood than to, 
to anything else. Plus, you know, the guys were right in the long run because I did. I wouldn't go last there, and they and they knew they were going to get. get Here's there. a piece of shit. Hey, Bobby, he fucked himself. You know, he's a freaking idiot. He was a fucking prick. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the New Blood Rising podcast here as we are uh, back after another brief little break here. We're coming back with Halloween Havoc 92. This is not the ideal way we wanted to record this show tonight, but um, we're going to make the most of it. Ideally, we were going to be in a hotel room together. We we're going to record a few of these together and it's going to be a lot of fun. And then plans suddenly change at the end. I don't want to get into that because that's uh, not pertinent to the show, but nevertheless, things had to change a little bit. And um, tonight, it's going to be unfortunate as two of us because of the way plans change and everything. It's going to be me, William Rinkin, on one side and Jason Kiesler on the other. How are you, man? I'm all right. So this is like a good news, bad news situation. The the good news is, is Under Duress is kind of back. (laughs) The bad news is, is... Because it's you, me, and Charlie aren't locked in a hotel room, there's not going to be a no holds barred two, all holds barred yeah. being written. So we'll just have to deal with that. Yeah, we will. And um, we're we kind of we're ideally we were going to do a first ever. We we're going to watch the shows together and then do the um, the break, like do the pod after, which would have been really cool. But uh, with the way this was kind of rushed, we're going to try and uh, make the most of it. And it's cool. I'm glad you brought up under duress because. I definitely definitely made me think we're literally about six years from when we did that. I think when we started, and we started yeah. with uh, <laughs> we started with uh, we uh, we did. I can't remember if we didn't do this Tuesday in Texas. We did the Survivor Series, right? We did the Survivor Series, and we kept joking yeah. that a big pay per view was essentially promoting a Tuesday pay per view. Yeah, because they kept saying this Tuesday in Texas, like constantly it's just kind of ironic then because like the whole build the big part of that show was jake savage the snake the snake biting somebody and funny enough look at where we are this show takes place just about a year later from that but it's just funny that we have circled back to another show yet another show where jake jake roberts has a snake that's prepared to bite somebody so yeah (laughs) and if you remember the survivor series that we did jake roberts was wearing a cosby sweater and six years ago, that wasn't what it is today. So it's wow. crazy to yeah. think about stuff. I was like, wow. Oh, yeah. It hit me. I was like, Jake in the Cosby sweater. I was thinking about it. I was like, oh, my God. Jake in a Cosby sweater. That's bad news for somebody. So now as we're... You want to play 21? <laughs> we're about to do this show. And um, I was thinking about it before I watched it. I was like, I, I do remember this being a big deal. Now, maybe that's perspective of a kid at the time, but this, I remember just everything going into this, this definitely felt like this was an important show because of, because of the main event. And just because, you know, at the time we've talked about this before, there, there weren't as many pay-per-views. So, you know, when one ended, the other one was immediately already locked in and you're we getting the, the previews for it, the commercials for it. And I felt like we were, uh, make the deal, spin the wheel to death for like months leading up to this show. So this all, this, this definitely felt big at the time. Does it, did you feel that way too? Yes. And to be fair, we should have been spin the wheel, make the deal to death because that was awesome. That was wonderful camp. 
I know people people go, oh, well, Matt Hardy's the reason we have all these great cinematic matches. He's the one, I think, that incorporated the actual wrestling into this, but nothing beats WCW's early 90s world building that they did with this stuff. This just insane din of inequity that that Jake is living, it's like the big boss in, and then Sting just shows up as a superhero, and it's just all this stuff, and there's going to be a lot more, and they're... They're just going to get better and better in the worst possible way. But it did. It, this was like, man, this is this is going to be big. Like, someone's going to die is, is kind of the way that they put it. I, I like how you're hyping it up because when you get to the moment where they spin the wheel, it's so heartbreaking. But that's okay. Yes, it is. <laughs> okay. All right. I want to go. It is. Um, as always, we always have Nick's notes. He kind of has this great corner where he gives us some cool background. He digs into stuff from like the Wrestling Observer and other things like that, which are really, really cool, which, again, give us some of that background sometimes of these shows. So let's go into this. Um, we're at the Philadelphia Civic Center. Attendance, 7,000. Buy rate, 0.9. We got a dark match on this show. It was Eric Watts and Van Hammer versus the Vegas Connection, another ironic tag team for us to come into, which was Vinny Vegas and DDP. One of the last WCW shows we covered, they were the Insiders, remember? <laughs> yes. That's funny. I just thought that was a nice touch. Uh, real quick, number one movie, Under Siege, third of four weeks at number one. Number one song, End of the Roads. Okay, End of Road. End of the road. It's just it was a, it was a nice plan where I thought it was nice what he did by boys to men. The, the, the end of the road. <laughs> yeah, so like dusty left. I liked it. I thought that was really cool the way he did it. Eleven of thirteen weeks at number one. Our champions, WCW World Champion, is still Ron Simmons, NWA Champion Masahiro Chono, WCW US Champion Rick Rude, WCW slash NWA World Tag Team Champions Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham, WCW Tag or WCW TV Champion. Scott Steiner, how about it? All right, so Rhodes and Wyndham won the WCW tag titles from the Miracle Violence Connection on the 921 episode of Saturday Night on a tape delay, 10-3. Scott Steiner won the TV title from Ricky Steamboat on the 929 episode of Worldwide that aired on tape delay, 10-10. WWF champ. Oh, go ahead, sorry. I want to see that. I know. I'm just Scott Steiner versus... Ricky Steamboat. <laughs> more on, there's there's definitely more with that that we're going to get into here in a bit. There are a lot of notes here, so I'm going to try and chug through this as quick as I can for you. WWF champ, Bret Hart. Intercontinental champ, British Bulldog. Tag champs, Money, Inc. The WCW tag title match was originally the Miracle Violence Connection versus the Steiners, but Rick suffered a torn peck. The Observer described the peck as being torn from the sternum during a New Japan Pro Wrestling tag title match. Hence... Scott being replaced as a singles wrestler. Terry Gordy, no-showed, necessitating Steve uh, Steve Austin's in insertion into the match that we're going to see tonight on our show that we're doing. Observer highlights. This is um, Dave, Dave Meltzer reports that Eric Watts, Bill Watts' son, was hired for good money. I, I, just, I think it's apt that, they, or apt that they put good money there, and you'll see why. During a WCW house show match of Sting and Koloff versus Roberts and the Invader, an elderly gentleman using a walker pulled a gun and fired shots into the arena. No one was hit, and the man was taken away for a mental evaluation. Chris Benoit and Shane Douglas ask... Wait, what, wait, 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 wait. If, if any there was a time for a transitional statement and or segue to separate mental evaluation, Chris Benoit... Like... <laughs> 
In other news, Chris Benoit and Shane Douglas, as scheduled to start <laughs> for WCW, they're scheduled to start for WCW later in September. Warlord and Butch Reed are also rumored to be returning. WCW Injury Report, Jake Roberts has a concussion, Cactus Jack has a badly torn groin, among other injuries, and Vader suffered an injured wrist. <laughs> I don't know so, why that's so funny. It's great because you go, he's got a badly torn groin, and this guy's got an injured wrist. It's like, are they related? I think like, I, what I like, though, is Cactus has a badly torn groin, among other injuries. <laughs> yeah, like... And to be fair, if you've got a torn groin, I would assume it's bad. I mean, if, I've never done it. We'd have to ask Bret Hart, are there scales of a torn groin? Like, uh, I torn my, is it like the, the Kurt Angle, I broke my neck and I tore my groin? I mean, or is it, is it like, uh, one and, you know, fuck it. I won the, you know, the, um, you know, I'm, I won the Stampede World Championship with a torn freaking groin, you know, it's not a big deal, whatever. <laughs> my dick was just dangling everyone's everyone's dick dangles like, i just feel like bitter brit hearts like the rango if you've ever seen that yeah. where he's trying to build up the big story it's like see this is where he bit me right here and they go yeah that's your belly button like i just just like it's me i'm the only person whose balls hang you know it's just i don't know here's where we get to this, this is what i've kind of been waiting for for a while because we've been in this bill watts era for a little bit but it's important to really point out and again, this is from the perspective of the observer. What happened behind the scenes that really adds to the legacy and the infamy of this run with him as the at, at as the booker as the, at the head of the table here? Here we go. Earlier this year, Pillman signed a lucrative two-year contract with WCW under Kip Fry. Then came Bill Watts, who is admittedly unfamiliar with Pillman's work and saw his contract as way too large. Pillman was asked to give up the incentives in his contract, which pay him more money based on his push and how well he gets over and things like that. Pillman refused, and so he was he has been turned into a jobber since Watts took over. Pillman was essentially put into a position where he was told to give up the incentive bonuses or they would bury him and he wouldn't get paid the bonuses anyway. Pillman, understandably, refused and has been jobbing to Brad Armstrong at house shows ever since, despite being one of the most popular stars in the company. Other stars are in a similar situation. Watts recently offered Rick Rude a large cash payment now, still significantly less than he would make over the long term, for him to give up his current contract and instead work on a per-night deal with no guarantee of a number of dates. This is the same sort of deal being offered to most wrestlers that have long-term guarantee contracts that Watts is trying to get rid of. Meanwhile, Barry Windham was asked to retire and take an office job with a lesser salary, and Watts is scheduled to meet with Sting, who has probably the best guaranteed contract in all of North American wrestling that doesn't expire until 1995 later this week. In short, Watts has essentially given the message that if you don't take a substantial pay cut, he will intentionally ruin your career. Cactus Jack was pretty much ordered to get back in the ring <laughs> before he was ready because WCW is low on heels. So Jack is working with a badly torn groin muscle and shouldn't be wrestling at all. Story of his life. Six wrestlers, including Sting, Rick Rude, and Ron Simmons, get this, were fined $1,000 for, quote, work not up to par. Now Watts is apparently fining guys for having bad matches. Well, he better, they better get the checkbooks ready tonight. And the newest contracts WCW wrestlers are being asked to sign are even more ridiculous, as Dave has learned. 
Upon signing, WCW owns the rights of the wrestler's ring name forever. Ah, that's funny how long forever lasts. WCW can require wrestlers to relocate because they want everyone to live in or around Atlanta. And the $1,000 per night deal isn't actually $1,000. Only $750 is guaranteed. The other $250 is earned as a performance bonus. Basically, if Watts feels he did a good enough job, you get the full grand. Otherwise, it's only $750. And finally, it's specifically spelled out that in case of injury, even if it's a life-threatening injury suffered on the job, the wrestler signs away any legal rights forcing WCW to pay for uh, for medical bills or lost wages. The Steiners had another meeting with Bill Watts this week that ended with him storming out of the office when he wouldn't negotiate or budge on his current restrictions. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just kept thinking of em- Eminence Front playing as they stormed. <laughs> I just, they're... they're- they're in their singlets. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's just they're they're in full interest attire. Rick's got the headgear on. They're in their singlets. They got the Michigan jackets. So with all this talk about contract and and money and and, and if you don't, so let me ask you, what was he going to take all their third party revenue and make them take their video game streaming and and put it up that and give it to him? I know, man. This just seems like I mean it's a shitty thing, but apparently fucking over wrestlers is not a new thing. Yeah. It's yeah, and it kind of go and it goes on from here. It gets it, this is this is where we've heard. And I think if you've heard one of the cut ups I've done at the front of one of these recent episodes in this season, I've done a Scott Steiner. You know, just blows up on Bill Watts here, and here here we go. Scott Steiner reportedly had a huge locker room argument with Bill Watts before the recent TV tapings. Scott hasn't appeared on any shows since, and has been removed from any upcoming shows as well as Halloween Havoc. It's no secret that the Steiners are most likely gone when their contracts expire at the end of the year. They have been negotiating about new contracts for weeks. Word is money isn't really the issue, but the medical coverage, in case they get injured, is the huge hurdle, and Watts refuses to budge on it. Either way, with Rick Steiner still on the shelf injured, and now Scott going AWOL, it's very likely we've seen the last of the Steiners in WCW. Thank you, Nick, for all that. Wow, lot to digest there, huh? <laughs> yeah, I guess I was I was wondering, watching Halloween Havoc, like, what's missing? Oh, yeah, the TV title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on TV. I was like, what, does Arn Anderson have it again? I know. Does that mean it doesn't have to be defended? But no. Um, yeah, so that that is insane. That is that is just fucking insane. It's like there's never not drama with WCW. All right, so here we are, man, Philadelphia. And uh, you could see this coming with, like, the first match of the night, what this is going to mean when we since we're in Philly. Um, and you can and what's really neat is you can just see what's, what's brewing – in Philly, like what kind of wrestling is going to work there in a short, in a you know, and only a short amount of time after this. So it's really neat. We get a nice precursor of it. Our hosts, hey man, if we we teased it with Clash, he teased it. It's Bruno. Bruno's here with Tony. Um, they're they're doing a, a analysis, if you want to call it that. Sure. And then we've got Jim Ross, and as you said, it's Jesse Ventura versus the World tonight on commentary. Um. So I think we go to next is it we go to Missy Hyde who is um what is she, I, I I well before we get to Missy we got to break down because the analysis that Bruno and Tony oh, give yeah. us is the the twelve potential matches um oh and I've got the list here but there's no reason to read the full list because I wrote it in the order that they put it on the screen but but number one is the Texas Bull Rope. 
So we have a list of 12. Oh, so you got, okay. Number one. Yeah, I was going to mention number these later, but Texas this is cool. Board. Let's do this now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and number two is Spinner's Choice. So without having to go through the full list necessarily right now, we have a list of 12. There, here are 12 options that are going to be on this wheel. And the second one you list is, uh, we'll just let the person spinning decide. <laughs> That's usually like, like you save that for last. Right. It, you do that or this. So it, it's like, I was just looking at this and I started laughing. I think I've talked to you about it before. Is it just suddenly reminded me of list videos that people will make? Yes. The, the 10 most, the one that comes to mind is the 10 most impactful villains from Batman the Animated Series that only appeared once. So the guy's like, hey, you know what? I'm taking a shit. It's going to take 10 minutes. I'll watch this video. <laughs> so the guy starts out, he does some one-hit person from the show. And then the very next villain he does, he starts out saying, now this person has been on the show a total of five times. <laughs> You're already breaking the rule to your own list with the second entry. I hate it. And here they are. It's it. like, here's fate. The wheel will decide. The wheel's going to decide what you do. And the second option is, well, you decide. <laughs> and so, okay, cool. So, Spinner's Choice. So, if it's the, if the Spinner's Choice is up there, I would think the bad guy is going to be the one to spin the wheel. Right. Exactly. Because Spinner's Choice, the face gets up there. He's like, I think we're just going to have a good old-fashioned match. Wouldn't that be awesome? The best wrestler wins. That would be the best. If Sting spun, it landed on He's like, we're just going to have a straight-up match. After all these weeks upon weeks and these mm -hmm. <laughs> we're just going to have a straight-up match. What the right. sting? We'll do. We can come back to the list because we'll have plenty of time to read it over and over again as that wheel slowly <laughs> rises from the earth. I think it's finally going to rise this Wednesday when NXT is doing their thing. I, like the first spin, the wheel is going to finally make. So I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah, the I'm hoping you guys are listening to this the day of Havoc, and we and we can talk about that maybe at the end, like the fact that it took this long for finally Halloween Havoc to be technic like real canon in the wwe universe it's hilarious but anyway um i i just would have loved it if stinger had picked just a straight up match and even bruno comes out of his seat like the fuck's the matter with you bro with borden borden what's the matter with you <laughs> become schwarzenegger all of a sudden i'm, I'm gonna take you to the garden <laughs> and in the garden i'm gonna bury you in the garden literally and figuratively you were gonna grow my spices so just that would be neat it's just like fuck it Bruno probably is the worst Monopoly player ever because all he wants to do is just land on Marvin Gardens and buy it. <laughs> I will give you all four railroads, waterworks, if you give me Marvin Gardens. But Bruno, you don't have any of the other yellow pieces. It's all I want. He declares all I want. That's all, and he's done. Like he gets it, and he's done. He just yeah. walks away from the table, and you're like, right. And he doesn't play again for ten thousand. <laughs> says he's the best champion of all time so uh, oh man so um all right you ready to do this first one well there's like we're just going back to missy okay. missy was trying to get in um because i want to talk about this because when when it actually happens I'm, I'm, I'm more than a little disappointed uh but missy's trying to get into rick rude's locker room to find out who rick rude's gonna pick for his official for his match right for because the, since it's a yeah. Yeah, since it's WCW and NWA having a, a joint promotional match, there's going to be two officials for some reason. Um, so that's what she's out trying to get in and do her thing. 
um, and be Missy Hyatt. And, you know, she makes the jokes. This is the first time Missy Hyatt hasn't been allowed in a locker room. I'm like, oh, I think if we go back right. a couple pay-per-views or a clash or something, you're trying to get in and they won't let you in. And then you finally get in and in it, uh, because it was the sexiest man alive. Yeah, it was Stan Hansen um, taking a shit. Stan Hansen, the one that gre- <laughs> greeted her in the locker room. So, um, or what's on there. So it's it, it just some my normal before we get into it. It watching this and with with everything going on in 2020, and we're watching Halloween Havoc 1992, and you can just going with a parallel here. You can tell it's an election year, and election day is like next week yeah there are so many allusions to it um it gets worse i just thought it was really funny as we start off you know you got the grim reaper or a presidential candidate dressed as the grim reaper uh he then mass shames jim ross for not wearing a mask <laughs> it's like it's just because oh my god like i was like whoa this is getting eerily similar to now yeah and combine that with halloween have it coming back i was like this is this is fucking insane yeah that's wild. Good pull. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, more with Rick Rude, because this show is so fucked up. I'm just going to say, like, it is so overly convoluted at times when it doesn't need to be. Like, right. I, I, that's the – we always love to talk about storylines that really take these nice turns. And it's like, whoa, and it's this big arc, and it's got all these little nuances to it. Sometimes wrestling just needs to be really fucking simple. You know, it just needs to be really simple. And this show... You can have one complicated thing. Yeah. Make everything else easy to go down. All this was missing was aerial footage of the Sandman driving an ambulance. Yes, yes. That's all it was missing for it to to feel like, because we're in Philly, to just be a flat-out ECW pay-per-view. And if you needed to be reminded that you were in Philly, this first match will definitely put it into perspective very quickly, as we've got... Here's a doozy of a six-man opener. Bobby Eaton, Arn Anderson, Michael Hayes, versus Johnny Gunn, who will later become you know Tom Brandy, Salvatore Sincere, whatever you want to call him, Tom Zink, and Shane Douglas. So the latter team that we mentioned clearly are meant to be our baby faces. Philadelphia does not see it that way. They immediately no. turn on these guys. They turn on them so bad that it's funny how everybody but Tom Zink gets the memo about it too and this match just goes off the rails very quickly like everything that was planned out for this is kind of out the window and this is upside down world for this match um what do you think of this man i thought that it was fucking hilarious yes <laughs> because like they're going the the commentators are really pushing that here's this veteran team and then here's this this team of newcomers. Z-Man ain't a newcomer. Yeah. I mean, like, at least two years in. I and mean, if I'm sure, he was on our first episode of this season. He is not a newcomer. Right. Um, and, and so it's this wonderful thing that the the, the power and the speed of the, the youngins is going to be overdone by the veteran skills of, of Arn, Bobby, and Michael, and... They're absolutely right, but it's got nothing to do with the wrestling. It's it's all about the crowd. Yeah. Um, and it's cool because, like you mentioned, you know, it's a precursor to what's to come at ECW. And we've got some of the ECW constant fans right there at ringside, too. Yeah. Um, that, that you see. That's like you're, that they'll be popping up a lot down the road. Um, 
you know, just kind of growing in. If you, if you want me to go right into my notes here, I'm happy to do so. Sure. Because um, I was like, hey, you know, it's always funny. Like, the first match is like, here's all these notes. Um, and, and it's going it. But, and this, just to say, you know, according to Jim Ross, if you can do a drop kick, you have high athletic ability. Like, that, that was the standard for Jim Ross in the 90s. Because if you weren't a football player, fuck you, um, that you could do it. Every time Bobby Eaton nails somebody with his right hand, you would think someone just hit a stunner, the way that crowd reacts. Yeah. It is just, it's like weird. It's like, whoa, they, it's like, are they doing it because it's Bobby Eaton? Or are they doing it because it's a bad guy beating a baby face in a town that booed Santa? You know, so it, it's hard to say. Um, you know, I'm like, all right, here's Arn, here's 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 Bobby. They're doing their stuff, and then Michael Hayes gets in. He's in for a second. He's already doing his posing bullshit. I'm like, ah, come on, man. It, like, you're a free bird. There's not more of you. Stop. Oh. Just, I mean, we we get your music for some reason. Um, because from parts on, or excuse me, from the dark side of Alabama is Bad Street, USA. So it's crazy. Was it a, one of those towns that straddle states? I don't know. But the crowd, again, they're into it. Um, and for some reason, Jesse Ventura compares Shane Douglas to Bruno San Martino. And Which is not like, I get it. They're both Pittsburgh. I, I understand like that's that 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 would seem like an easy thing to do. I'm sure like, yeah, I I, I thought it was kind of silly because it's like I never would have I've never confused. Shane Douglas and his wrestling with Bruno's and it's no no offense to Bruno's but like it's just it's just two completely different eras you know what I mean like you, right. you cannot compare that to, and, and it's not a good thing to necessarily compare because I don't think Bruno's stuff necessarily translates uh, to today or even this time period no and you know and it's like here's we're all a, a quasi rookie you know it's like going oh my god Rick, Rick Buff Bagwell and Ric Flair like what Oh, yeah. Stop it. Um, so do it. But speaking of, of Shane, he does this head scissors takedown that's like a stalling head scissors. And he's even got his arms up, lucha style, looking around like, huh? Look at me, crowd. Look at my. And there's nothing. Yeah. Nothing. But Bobby Eaton hits another punch. Boom. Stunner. Fucking pop. Um, it's just a, a, a interesting. And then here is the creme de la creme of this match for commentary and the real beginning the the opening volley we'll say of jesse ventura taking on everyone as he says that shane douglas looks like a right wing republican and that's why he doesn't like him jim ross just responds with i wouldn't know anything about that yeah and then ventura just for some reason goes on and moves on to insult bruno san martino um so it's it's crazy. You do wonder if Jesse has a little bit of problems. If is, if Jesse's not working out too well with old Bill either, and is just trying to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, is he trying to get fired? You know, or is he trying to provoke someone to come punch him so that he can be like, oh, "I quit. You punch me." Right. Um, right. And still get all his stuff. Uh, Arn Anderson pretends that he is Solid Snake sneaking through a corridor with the cardboard box because of the blind tag, and he walks right behind. I think it's Shane, and Shane. He's acting like Shane doesn't see him because he squats and drags the rope. It's in, in fucking insane. Um, I've got this in a quote I'm not sure what's in context with, but it's really funny out of context. Jesse Ventura just randomly says, I saw the Liberty Bell. <laughs> and it just, I mean, like, 
I don't know. Um, and it's just, you know, that I, I just can't take this, uh, on here and take this match too much seriously. But, um, he's like, he, oh man, I'm trying to read my scratch here because fuck it. It doesn't matter. Um, but there's all this clusterfuck already, right? You know, there's this not, here comes this, this point because there's the, the typical, oh, it's a tag match, especially six man. There's all six guys in the ring. Um, and for some reason, the, you know, Shane finishes off with some kind of, of pin or somebody pin, pin the faces get the pin. A Thez the press. crowd just boos. Which, yeah, which, that's right. It's Johnny, Tom, Johnny Gunn, whatever his name yeah. is. Thez presses and gets a pin. Wouldn't you th- crowd hates it. Wouldn't it be great if if, if Steve Austin is watching back? He's like, God dang, what is that? What was that move? Might not be a finish, did? but it's something. Some that's a signature, I tell you. God damn. I get my, get my meter filled. Um, But then Jesse immediately points out how stupid it is that why did the ref count for a pin when there's so many men in the ring. Well, I'm like, there he goes. He's already getting in on it. By the end of the night, this is probably like the least of the referee, like blunders. (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is. But to wrap up my review here, surprisingly enough, I'm giving this match a five. I gave it a five too. Yeah. It is 100% because the crowd, you know what I needed. I was more into it because of the crowd. I was like, this is incredible. Let me make sure I get this down here. Hold on one second, because I, I realize that I don't have Charlie here to do it with me. So yeah, he, I was. I, I wrote down all my scores, and I was like, maybe I should just go ahead and have Maveraged up. And then no, I'm no, like, no, no, no. Nope. That's all right. I got. I gave it a five two, man. I mean, it's entertaining. I mean, like it's exactly what a first match should be. Maybe not for the reasons you think, but it's entertaining. All right, so right. You, well, here's a question. Yeah. You think they all got their thousand dollars? <laughs> I know that's gonna. After I read that, that was kind of in the back of my mind throughout each of these matches, especially the part where it's like, are the ones that get fined a thousand dollars if it's a bad match or if it's not up to par? I'm like, man, I wonder what the bar is for that because uh, they're definitely not. There's some ones that are below five on this show. I can tell you that, no doubt about oh, it. Oh, really? <laughs> I wasn't aware. <laughs> but um, all right. So we go to Missy, right? Trying to get access. Again, I think so. Yeah, yeah it's because it's a running. She's thing. an intrepid reporter. I'll give her that. You know, she is jet. She is the Judy Woodruff of her day, um, trying to get access to uh, to Rick Rude. So we have to mention Rick Rude's in a weird position tonight. He is scheduled to. He is supposed to defend the U.S. title against Nikita Koloff and then also compete uh, in the um, for the NWA World Title against Masahiro Chono. But interesting, uh, who do we see in the the locker room? It's Harley Race who kicks Missy out. Isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. He, well, he, she's like, can you get me in? He says, no. <laughs> it's, no, honey. Just, and then she almost gets in, and then this big arm just pushes her out. And I was like, ooh. Because it looked a little bit bigger than Rick Rude's arms. I, I mean, it's hard to tell because just Rick is a big dude, mm-hmm. but it would be hard to tell if that was his arm. I was like, ooh, are we getting – I was a mystery person that kept her from getting back like neat. Um but it was also a lot more defined in tone than Vader's arm, so it definitely didn't look like Vader. Yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, we don't even have to really spoil this for ourselves, uh, or spoil this for the. This has got to be match of the night here next. This is an awesome treat um, that we get next, and it's funny that this is the second match. You would think this would be your opener because this would just really get the wrestling off to a good start. 
We've got Brian Pillman, freshly minted heel Brian Pillman, taking on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, the former television champion. This is, uh, I mean, it's that this, as we saw with uh, Clash Twenty. I mean, this is not an audition. This is, uh, this is the first go round really on the 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 main pay per view circuit for Pillman as a heel, and he is awesome in every which way, shape, and form. He is an awesome heel. He does all he he goes right to the the classic heel handbook of stuff you're supposed to do. What's great is the crowd is like Philadelphia for all its uh you know for all its stuff of cheering for heels knows exactly how to, like knows exactly how to cheer or chant against Pillman that gets him more over it feels like. And I just I can't say enough for how he does in this match, and, and Steamboat's the perfect foil for him. Uh, one of the things I also love is when a uh, a babyface is the same year as when I think Bret Hart did it too. I love it when a babyface will actually do a heel thing and act like they're hurt, and they're not, and then all of a sudden they just pull a move out of nowhere, and it's like, whoa, wasn't expecting old Steamboat to do that. But um, yeah, Steamboat did a lot of things. Yeah. Then, or, or, I mean, there's one bigger that's like, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be like the consummate forever good guy? Um, I um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this man, and I know the um, the ending is 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 one of those neat little like reversal, reversal, pen, it's over, but it it works. I think it's a, it, I think it's it's good because at least even though like it's revealed as we saw in the observer notes that Pillman's getting jobbed out. You know, uh, getting jobbed out a lot lately just because of his refusal to take the pay cut and everything. Like, I, I, I don't mind this finish because it still looks like a Pillman is really competitive still, even in this new heel form and everything. Like, I think it's really strong. Um, I definitely, I this was definitely my favorite match of the night. Tell me what you thought about it. When it comes to just, to, to, I'll jump to the finish. I've just gotten, I don't know the the. Pin reversal, pin reversal, pin reversal, pin reversal. Um, because I kind of feel like that's it's Steamboat spot, but it's almost always trying to. I'm just going to recreate that WrestleMania three magic. Oh um, yeah, I got you. And and I think if it had done just a little bit more, because it was like a sunset, it was like a top or a second rope sunset flip, reversed into a roll up that was then reversed into a standard uh, a pin that was then pushed into a not a schoolboy, but some other, well, so it was just like, ah, uh, um, and sometimes that's cool. And sometimes it's just a little, I, I don't know, anticlimactic for me, but it was neat because Pillman lost, but Pillman didn't hit his finisher. Right. So it still kind of protects that. Um, but going back to the beginning of the match, Pillman's not even in the ring and we're learning about his football stats <laughs> from, from high school. Yeah. This we're going back to high school football. Just, Oh my God. Um, and but you never ever ever get into a, a chopping contest with Steamboat. Never. Never. Yeah. Don't do that. I mean, I know you're 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 you know it, it's fun. That's what you do for. But it's like I'm almost gonna lose. I kept thinking throughout the match that the fans were chanting this match sucks. Um, but then I realized it's Cincinnati sucks. And so I was like, oh, um, I was like, that's great. It's like you're the bad guy, but we're not. We're we're just gonna fuck with you. We're not going to boo you. We're just going to fuck with you. They, there was also a chance for We Want Flair, yes. um, which I think started after Pillman did a, a bag away spot, um, which, you know, shouldn't do it. And then just to, to go where I mentioned where Steamboat's doing things that aren't exactly facey. Is that a word? I don't yeah, know. yeah, I got you. Um, 
he does a double arm lift choke spot and holds Pillman up. Like, faces don't hold people by the throat in the air yeah. and choke them. Um, but, but Steamboat did. Um, and, but, you know, I mean, this one, it was, I was really into it because of who it was. Uh, the, the action was good. Just that finish fell a little flat for me, but this one got a five. Yeah, I, I'm, I think the reason I'm give, I give this a seven is just because it's so far and above everything else. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, it could easily still be a five for me. I guess the reason I, I felt bad if I gave this just a five when I gave some of this other stuff a five that's, eh, you know, wrestling quality wise. But I'll tell you, man, regardless, it is so damn cool to see Brian Pillman here because we're, you know, we, you'll, you'll also hear it in the Steve Austin match. Like you can see these two guys are tracking beautifully towards each other. That was something, oh, I think I missed that. I think I screwed that up in the, um, I missed that part in the notes where it's already, there's the talk that's already started backstage that these guys are tracking towards being a tag team. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I think the note was added, you know, after the fact it's based on what Steve Austin said, but like how that'll never work out is them being a tag team. But it's, it's, it's cool because in the face of all this, just, you know, inconsistent stuff going on in the Watts era, like one of the most beautiful things that's going to come out of it is happening uh, real soon. So that's really cool. All right. So let's shift gears. Teddy Long. Oh, man. Interviewing uh, Masahiro Chono. I think Matsuda's there, Sasaki, and uh, the NWA president. Um, Sasaki's going to be his special referee. So let's, they're each going to have their own referees. And we've kind of, you, you just got dropped a hint earlier over who Rick Rude's going to select. Well, Chono's going to select uh, Sasaki, I think. I think Sasaki's the – yeah, that's the ref. That's the ref. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, sure. And Rick Rude has selected Harley Race, so there we go. Which, well, see, we got to mm-hmm. – you, you buried the lead, which was Bill Watts' job um, <laughs> going on. So we'll – going on here. I will say, like, this, you know – this is really this part's really awkward in some of the best ways. If you go back, if you're just one, of the, if you're just people that listen to us and and don't go back, I totally get it. This is something worth going back and watching because look at Teddy Long's face when he turns back to the camera after he asks. He goes, "Who are we gonna get?" And he puts the microphone. I for, and I've forgotten whose face. Yeah. Instead of answering, the guy leans over and starts whispering to the person behind him. And then whispers over Chono to the other guy. They talk for like 30 seconds. Teddy Long just turns and looks at the camera and gives one of the best <laughs> can-you-believe-this-shit looks I've ever seen. What's that like, meme? They... You know that meme with the one, like, what is it from? Where it, It's a puppet. It's a. It looks awkwardly back. At, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's what I, I thought so. of. It's, it's wonderful. It's just, it is fantastic. And then they turn around and he goes, that and Teddy Long just goes, okay, so that's your ref. Like, <laughs> it's it's so cool. You're you just it. I love the the random awkward positions that Teddy Long's put in. Um, and, and it's it's almost it would be a great running bit, but I know it's not on purpose. Um, on here and then, like after this, I'll just do your job for a second. This is where we transition to Bill Watts talking to Tony. We're Bill Watts just goes ahead and like, oh my God, who is Rick Rude? Just because Harley Race is there doesn't mean that that it's going to be Harley's going to be the ref. What if he was going to pick Vader to be the ref or somebody? And Bill Watts just goes, 
you know, Missy Hyatt, without saying it, this whole thing that we've spent the last probably 10 minutes of the last half hour focusing on this big mystery, it's 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 Harley Race. And I think <laughs> just, I, I think Watts is I think the Gordy thing, which we're going to get into here in a little bit, the Gordy thing probably threw him. I I think Watts was definitely like thrown off uh, for this show immediately just based on what was happening there like he he has to completely restructure a match um so to speak so i and this whole thing i mean i mean i i'm sure there was a financial goal in having the nwa reassociated but man this just seems like it's out of place it's just it, it it's just mess up the flow of things it's unneeded, and boy, is this match going to be just a nice wreck on the show here coming up. Um, yeah, so speaking of Gordy, Bill Watts says he's fired, so Steve Williams and Steve Austin, there's your Spider-Man meme, are going to wrestle together. Steve Austin's going to sub in for the Miracle Violence Connection with Dr. Death Steve Williams to challenge for the tactile side, Barry Windham and uh, Dustin Rhodes. And here's something. I love I love this. This is when you love wrestling kayfabe. So Rick Rude, I guess, uh, went to the courts or whatever and, uh, you know, didn't like wrestling twice in one night. So he's got Big Van Vader subbing in for him as the U.S. champ to take on Nikita Koloff. So there we go, folks. Well, see, he went, he went to his lawyer, he went to a judge, <laughs> and he went to a politician. I, I mean... <laughs> Bill, wow. Bill Watts says it, and he went to a politician. I'm like, who did he go to? Yeah, I, like, I know. Is he is he the first person in history to go to a politician and actually get something done? Right. It's like, it's like hey, please, uh, whoever the senator is in Pennsylvania this time, yeah. I don't want to wrestle. Sure. Uh, Andrew Yang would do it. He's, he's he's always about making change in wrestling somehow. Oh, man. Um, but that's weird. Like, like how do you go... Not just okay. Well, I'm not going to wrestle. You're going to wrestle for my my state. It's like, hey, if, if uh, here's Vader, he's going to take my place. And if you lose to Vader, you don't win the championship, which which is how it should be. But it's like, I mean, you're putting that championship in someone else's hands. It would be a good heel move if Vader was to lose and Rick Rude come out and go, no, I don't lose the belt because I didn't lose. Yeah, exactly. But, but they don't do that. They don't do that. Right. Yeah, this is, um, I mean, again, like, we're talking about when wrestling gets unnecessarily complicated. Yeah, here we go. So now we're just going to sub in guys up for, for championships and all that, and here we go. And that just leads us into Big Van Vader um, taking on Nikita Koloff. And it's just kind of, it sucks because, you know, Koloff and Rude, like, all these little feuds that splintered from the Dangerous Alliance versus Sting Squadron, like, this was one of them. You know, like, this was one of those really good, Feuds was Rick Rude and Nikita Koloff. Well, we're not going to get that. Instead, you know, Vader, who all intents and purposes is just kind of waiting around for another world title shot. Like, so you know this guy's not going to lose any steam, and he doesn't. He smokes Nikita Koloff in this match. It's not even close. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I, Koloff, it's not like Koloff doesn't get any offense in. Clearly, he sets up for the, the Russian sickle, which is countered into a powerbomb, but man, oh man, this is just an absolute squash. So what'd you think of this, man? Um, yeah, I don't understand why a person who recently lost the World Heavyweight Championship is now wrestling to defend a belt that they don't even own. Like, 
Keeping, I mean, taking the whole swapping someone out, it's just stupid. It's like, oh, sure. It goes back and I got nothing better to do. For some reason, the Barbarian's up this week. Like, it, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. But uh, Jim Ross, you get someone that used to be a pro football player, goes right oh, in about Vader, saying Vader's got a Super This Bowl is the highlight of the, the match. This is the best yeah. part of the match, is Jim Ross stepping into, like, for all his football knowledge, like, really muffing this up is great. Yep. Because Jesse Ventura, nope. Rams <laughs> never won a Super Bowl. Now, this was 92. They've won one since then. But nope. Rams never won a Super Bowl. So how can Vader have a Super Bowl ring with the Rams? Did they give it to the loser, too? Like, <laughs> it, it's, it's, oh, man. Um, it is great. You know so Jim Ross also, after dark was fierce that night. Oh, man. There was... Like, man. Um, there's... We we'll, we'll we may get there later, mm-hmm. um, but uh, this match with all the other convoluted bullshit going on is also a no DQ match. Yeah, for for whatever reason, like like we needed yeah. it exactly. You're right, and it's got a count out. <laughs> How can you be counted out? Oh when you can't man, be you can you can hear Charlie finding his way through the waves into this because I know. I knew as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, man, Chuck would be all over this, too, just like you are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because it's uh, – it's, it's, no, um, it does not make any fucking sense at all. It's like you can beat that motherfucker with a chair. You can throw him over the top rope, which is disqualification. You can hit him into the ring post, which is also some reason an automatic disqualification. But, man, if I get the 10, <laughs> you're done. Um. So, but they still take their time outside because some fan decides to throw a beer and smack Vader right in the head. <laughs> That's a good um, idea. <laughs> yeah, but he no-sells it. Uh-huh. Like, there's nothing. And normally when you see something like that, nothing. Nothing for commentary. Jesse said it. <laughs> Jesse's going to be pointing out a lot more things tonight, too, which is which is really fun. Um, Vader gets this awkward choke slam on... Nikita and Nikita I don't know if he's got that thing like Cena where he doesn't want to land flat on his back or or whatever uh because he picks him up for the choke slam and brings him down and Nikita just lands on his elbow with his own weight and the force of the choke slam it looked like it hurt yeah um then I tried to I was writing really quickly to take these notes and somehow even though these are handwritten I have an autocorrect of my own Uh um I am terribly misspelling Koloff, scratch through it, and write Carl <laughs> with a K. Um, Carl's suplex looked more like a... D- you'll know the one I'm talking about. It looked more like a DDT, because he doesn't... Like, Vader doesn't get up. He doesn't help him at all. Yeah. I think he's just done with it. Um, and then it took to this match for me to think about this for all time. If your finisher is... A clothesline, why not just start the match by hitting your finisher and clotheslining someone? It's easy. Yeah. It's easy. It's I mean, like, you know, it's it's like a super kick. Boom. Like if you're not looking, I'm gonna get you. Just no. Um, but as soon as I have that I will say as soon as I have that thought, and as soon as I put that pen to paper, oh oh smart van vader wrestling genius that he went you know he's like some asshole in like 30 years 
is going to question the whole concept of, of clotheslines as finishers and why they don't just use it. So, Nikita, I'm going to sit up here at the ring post. You come clothesline me, I'm going to get out of the way, and you're going to fuck your arm up on the ring post. Like, it was like literally, I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, that's great timing. So that is a good way to neutralize. And this is before every match with somebody, uh, Goldberg, Reigns, anybody big uh, that has a spear, they're gonna, their shoulder's going to get hurt, so they it's, they can't use the spear immediately um, on here. It's a... Uh, uh, it's a great way to neutralize a finisher. And then we get the power bomb to, to end the match. But it is also right on Nikita Koloff's elbow um, on here. And so uh, this match, Drizzling Shits, gave it a three. Um, got you down there for that. I think I was just a hair higher at a four with it. I'm... I. Somebody had mentioned this to me when I said we were doing 92 and we talked about the Koloff part. I think this is his last match, like, in all of wrestling for a long time. Maybe ever. I'm not positive, but I'm pretty sure that right around this time is when he just ducks out. Because I do remember as a kid, like... Nikita Koloff was all over 92 because, you know, he was a part of Sting's thing. There was the the callback to their feud. There was all this stuff. And then he's just gone. And I never really remember him ever again. And I think specifically this may be the last time that he's shown, which is just kind of a bummer. It's like you said. I mean, um, just kind of gets put out the pasture here a little bit. against. So he, gets, he gets squashed. Yeah. There is no... Hey, it's not like even like the part of a of a, the feud. It's just like nah, with with rude. It just happens. It's pretty shitty, and it's not even like a, an injury angle to put him away. It's just like uh, you're done, and in the the wettest fart possible. Now, Jason, I'm double checking here. I just want to make sure before we get into the WCW NWA World Tag Match, is there something I'm missing? Am I? Is there a bit in between this? Because um, I didn't see Teddy one, Long, but I wanted to ask to make sure. There's a little quick interview because there's this run-in story that has no bearing on the match that uh, Dustin and Barry aren't getting along. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Right, I got you. So they're Damn. fighting, and yeah. so they have like a they have a quick interview at Curtain with Teddy Long, and for some Dustin wrote. I mean, like it was like it, like now nah, there's no problems. No, I don't think it's no, it's not Teddy Long. I think they go with Missy. Um, but Teddy Long's been talking about them for some reason and keeps calling Dustin Rhodes, Justin Rhodes. <laughs> um, so I really want to know who Justin Rhodes is and why are boys to men singing about him? So Just... it, it's, it's great. Um, but there is, there's, it's just, they, cause it's in the intro video package that's Nikita about these two Carl. not getting along. What? Nikita Carl. Yeah. Nikita Carl, <laughs> Justin Rhodes, like these aren't wrestlers. This is these are guys that work at a Hardee's third shift, um, making biscuits. But like, I don't know. Like that was it. Like it just there was nothing memorable other than that. So and then there was a the interview with Dustin and Barry, because um, Missy asks, Barry's the only person that talks. I was like, okay, that's. That's always a, a sign, right? Right, because the Missy's not between those two going back and forth. It's it's Dustin, Barry, Missy. Barry says there ain't no problem. We're on the same page. 
talking's done. And then they leave. I was like, okay, there you go. All right. And nothing. Nothing comes up in this match um, at all. And I'm not doing it. It's just nothing. Yeah. So this next match is definitely like this is a uh, this is a long one. This one is actually a, a they this is a thirty minute Broadway they do for this. Barry Windham, Dustin Rhodes taking on S- Steve Williams and uh, his uh, uh, his sub in Steve Austin, stunning Steve Austin. Here he is, and who really is uh, the highlight of this match. You really do see again how how good he is working in a tag team. And also how good he is working outside of the Dangerous Alliance. You know what I mean? Because that's he's been for all of the strengths of Steve Austin, he's been really protected in the Dangerous Alliance up to this point. Like it's been, it was a great move putting him in there. It let him really develop a lot, a lot of his skills. Clearly, he had had the World TV, he had the TV title before he was in there. He had already beaten Bobby Eaton for that before he was in the Dangerous Alliance. But that being in that stable, I think, really helped him build his strengths while being like just being surrounded by this cadre of really experienced singles and tag team wrestlers there's an awesome moment here where it's almost like he traveled back he he days of future past from the future back into his consciousness in 1992 because he kicks one of these guys in the either barry or dustin he kicks him in the gut and then it's almost like i'm supposed to do something after this but then he, and then it just kind of moves on after. But it's almost like there's this time where he's like, "I want to do this thing with my arm, man. I want to, just, I want to grab this some bitch and just drop my drop him on his chin." And he doesn't. It's just funny because it's like, in a few years he'll be he'll be the the setup to the most famous finisher of the time period. But at this point, yeah. it's, and is, <laughs> is that around the same time for he he just flattens somebody and then like feels the crowd and goes and stands on the ropes and both the arms go up. I I think so. I think like, it's weird. Like it definitely feels like he's, he's, tr- he's trying stuff that will become like very signature for him later. And the crowd, they love him. They love him here. And it's, I mean, we're years away from stone cold, but what you can just tell is like, this guy is, He's another one of the. He is a key rising star in this really weird era of WCW, where you've got these guys coming over from WWF that maybe they're going to stick, maybe they're not. You know, we've got some of these guys who are been with WCW for a while. Maybe they'll stay, maybe they'll go because of Bill Watts. But here's this guy who's doing a. I mean, a phenomenal thing. I guess we should, you know, we should mention the Gordy thing. You know, I was, I, I was, I knew we needed to mention it, and I'm. Let me switch gears here real quick. Let's let's talk about Terry Gordy. Are you familiar with what happened with him? Why he didn't show up? Other than no. nobody likes Bill Watts. No, I'm, his is a little more specific, and it's interesting. So supposedly here, all right. Um, so after all the investment, in the Miracle Violence connection, Gordy left the promotion to avoid the political just like mayhem that was sort of between both the Japanese feds. So what I mean by it is the Steiners. They're with New Japan. They were they were affiliated with them. The Miracle Violence connection was with all Japan. So them wrestling in the States, that's a big deal because that's like the two big foreign stars for both of those Japanese feds going at it. You know, like that's that was a big deal for him. And so what became um what became the next move for New Japan was like, okay, well, why don't we just bring over Gordy and Doc? Well, 
Gordy just like you know in wrestling wrestling is all about loyalty like there's loyalty is a big part of wrestling like you know a lot of these guys stick close to bookers that have done them well and Gordy was very much in tune with Giant Baba like he did not want to go against him and so um, he just kind of he just is like I'm out like he just gets out of this whole thing altogether now I don't know if that's the whole story but that's the one that I found and kind of doing some research about like why like why was it so abrupt that he didn't show up? So well, that was interesting. It wasn't just the typical, you know, I, I didn't like the booking or whatnot. Like it was just sort of, you know, I don't want to be locked in this thing where we're going to eventually get pulled over and all this. Like I'm loyal to this guy or whatever. That's good content, guys. I hope you really stayed awake for that part. Um, all right. <laughs> it's a- I was with you. I was just like, mm. I know, because it, 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 it was mm. it it was drama, but not. Well, this guy said, "Fuck him." It's like I don't know, man. I don't feel comfortable potentially fucking someone over. So, and again, I'm gonna fuck you maybe over. <laughs> and and maybe there's more to it, but that's that's what I found with it. I thought that was interesting, and it is sad because obviously, like, in our shows going back, you know, many months. These guys were just killers. I mean, they beat the Steiners, which was like a big deal because nobody did that. And to see them just so, you know, it's kind of anticlimactic that they're, oh, now you're going to have, you know, Steve Austin there, Steve Williams, which is, of course, it isn't bad as we're going through this. It's just, it's not like that badass tag team that we've seen running roughshod for a while that went through that tag tournament and all that. That's all to say here, like, uh, you know, this is, um, this is another match where, Things just kind of get weird all of a sudden here. Um, Wyndham goes and rolls up Austin. Ref is down. Doc clotheslines him. He pins Barry, but nope, sorry. The because um, you know, I, is it? I think Nick Patrick comes in as the second ref, right? He, right. He makes the cover, and then Randy Anderson's like, "No, Barry wasn't legal." So they restart the match. Much Jesse not happy, not happy at all. Just fires off all the mortars he's got. Not happy. Um, and the match ends in a draw. How do you... Do you like draws, Jason? We've done draws on this show before. Do you like them? I do. I don't have a problem with a draw when the... I know it's kind of hard to... When the draw immediately looks like it does something. When it, when it elevates somebody. Um, I'm kind of mixed here because the a, a team who literally just got put together today taking the dual champs to a time limit draw is impressive yeah it would show this is a team to pay attention to i mean knowing what we know it doesn't matter but i don't mind draws but when there's so much fucking convolution in the draw it's like give me a draw or or give me fuckery right don't give me a, fu- a draw with fuckery. Um, but this is a 30-minute Broadway, folks. Get ready for the 30-minute Broadway of notes because Jesse Ventura's got a lot to say. And, and even before the clusterfuck stuff, he was he was on um, on here. But wh- before I get into to me, what did you give the match? What did you think of it? Um, so I ended up giving this... Where's my rating for Did I... I... I didn't jot it down, did I? Oh, wait, did I? No, but I mean, I can tell you just when I'm going back to watch it. I think I ended up still, I, I gave it a four. And the reason I gave it a four, Jason, was because it's still, like, 
draws, just because it's a time limit draw, like, and it's a deep time limit, not like a 15-minute draw. We're talking like a 30, 45, or an hour-minute draw or whatever, 60-minute draw. Um, it can still be exciting. It doesn't have to feel like it's 30 minutes. This felt like 30 minutes a lot. And one thing it always throws off with a tag team, a Broadway with tag team, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this. I'm not crazy about two hot tags because once I get the hot tag, like I'm conditioned, like in my mind, like, okay, we're moving towards the end. And then when there's a second one, I'm like, oh, oh no, we're settling back in. We're getting back into it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I think it's, I think anytime there's multiple hot tags and there's a lot of matches that have multiple hot tags, it happens a lot, but I will say like, it does throw me off. Like I almost like, it takes me a few minutes to get back, like get back into the groove of it, you know, cause it's just the sequence. It's just the sequence of events. You know what I mean? Like to, when you, when you throw that, that just throws it off. So I, I thought it was fine. I think Steve Austin earns all, all that for with what he does. I think he is just such a pinnacle of this match, but I do think it felt rather boring at times. And I hate saying that cause I sound like such an idiot saying it's boring, but it just felt a little boring to me. Yeah, I can I can see that um, because there are low like the build to hot tags when you gotta fill thirty minutes, man. They can go a long time. Yeah, I mean eventually you're just like fucking kill him. Yeah, <laughs> just just you know kill him. Like this is this is ridiculous. Um, it's it it gets that vibe, and I know this is weird because a lot of my favorite matches are, are like real heavy in submissions, but uh, it's uh, Ron Funch has had a tweet pay-per-views ago i think it was an nxt tweet or it might have been some aw where someone the the person the heel was like a submission specialist and they kept putting the face in their submission and the face kept getting out of it and he was like okay like the fourth time you lock in your submission on someone and they get out of it it's time to fucking stop that, it just that's like it a goes video. on to, it makes it <laughs> It goes on too yeah. long. Yeah, feels like a video game. Like it feels like what you would do in a video game when you don't know what you're doing. You just keep going right back to that chin lock. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're doing an Iron Man match and you've already got him to tap out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so you just keep doing it for the easy win. Yeah. Um, on here, but but let's get into some some good stuff here. Jim Ross introduces the referee as Brandy. Don't call we Pee Wee <laughs> Anderson. <laughs> Jesse Ventura immediately goes. Why can't you call him Pee-wee? Jim Ross doesn't answer. So Jesse Ventura just goes, at some point, just goes, hey, you know, Oklahoma lost big time to Kansas yesterday. Immediately, Jim Ross, I didn't see that. And then later, Jim Ross says something. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, Jesse, I'm a sore loser. How about that? I'm like, oh, we're getting, we're getting 2020 salty Jim Ross, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, it's one of my least favorite things about Football player wrestlers, besides Jim Ross bringing up, is football player wrestlers who do a lot of three-point stances because there is a dueling banjos of three-point stances between Steve Williams and Justin Rose yeah. uh, that keep going. Um, which brings me to an SAT question. I really regret that Charlie isn't here because I think he would get it, but I'll ask you, Will. SAT analogy time. Dr. Death is the three-point stance as Brock Lesnar is to blank. Um, a suplex, man. There you I'm go. Just, just a s- I, spamming, <laughs> spamming suplex. Man, I, I, I don't know why I, I got so I I got locked up. I 
I didn't. <laughs> I thought it was a trick question. <laughs> oh my god! I really did. I was like, "It's what kind of suplex is it?" In my mind, like I see this is why I don't do. I didn't do one well SAT because I immediately am like, "Well, wait, what kind of suplex is he talking about?" No, just say suplex, yeah. motherfucker. Just a su- yeah, yeah. <laughs> suplex, yeah. So, I guess you don't get into Princeton. No. Um, but uh, there is a really cool spot in here. Uh, Dustin is in a wrist lock, and he counters it by running and jumping out of the ring, which is great. <laughs> Super athletic. Great way to get out of it. Like, okay, you're going to hold my wrist and not let go? I'm just going to jump out of the ring. Fuck it. Problem is, he went over the top rope. Why wasn't there a DQ? I don't understand the rules. Like, he yeah. went over on his own accord. They, The Ric Flair, remember the, the Ric Flair versus what's-his-face clusterfuck for the the Japan show yeah, where the guy uh, disqualified himself because he went over the top, just trying to do a cross body to Ric Flair and he went over the top rope. So, you know, where are these fucking oh, rules? Hold on. So, so wait a sec. All right. Is this one of those NWA WCW clarifications we need to make here? Like, I guess so. Cause this was that j- the Japan super right? show. It was one of the ones right? that we did and it was Flair versus, I think I can't remember yeah. who it was, it, it, but I know you're talking really about sucks. where they, and so, yeah, I, I bet you their wording out of it is like because it's a WCW and NWA match that like there's a blending of the rules. Now, I don't even know the nuances of that, how that works out since mm-hmm. both titles are on the line. Usually, you know, and we've seen this in this season, they like to diagram what rules work for this match versus the other. Remember in the tag tournament, they yes. they, they, they talked about what rules will be of, applied and what will not so right right um but it's weird because there's this one thing that doesn't get a disqualification and then uh, within a, a minute or two later austin blatantly thumbs barry windham in the eye right in front of Wee. Uh, <laughs> he might as well just looked at it and went what you gonna do about it and it's just like and Wee doesn't do anything uh, uh then we get into irish whip a palooza um which just is boring because I think this crowd's wanting, I mean, this crowd's definitely wanting more. This is one of the more boring spots. It's like, I'm just going to Irish whip you. I'm going to Irish whip you. Or I'm going to Irish whip you. It's like two guys, again, playing a video game, not knowing what to do. Um, and a fist fight breaks out for a second in the match, and the, it gets the crowd up um, on here. But Barry, going to the, the long, brutal beatdown of Barry Windham, he gets into the ghost to make a tag. He's in the wrong corner and tags the wrong guy. Oh, I know. Like great. Like that would have been great if the end, if, if the end was coming up soon, but no, it's not. Um, then we, we get into something. We actually get Jim Ross giving us interesting background information. Goes on to tell us of how Steve Williams got the nickname, Dr. Death, which is great. Yeah. It's neat. I still don't know the equate, uh, you know how how it really came because I'm one of those people. I was like, is Jim Ross making this up? Is he just assuming we'll be stupid? Go, oh yeah, hockey mask, Jason Death, Doctor Death, yeah. So I looked up, like, so, oh, Steve Williams when he was 15 was 1975, Friday the 13th, then come out for five years after that. So it's definitely not that. But I've gone to look it up. Apparently, it really happened. Hmm. Um, so it, it was that. These are the kind of things Jim Ross said. I mean, like, even though I thought it was bullshit, it's still interesting. This is what I want to hear about. Not football stats and GPAs. I mean, I, you, you hear that, Jim Ross? I'm lecturing you 30 years ago. Um, 
going on to Jesse pointing out things that shouldn't point out, Steve Williams is like coming out of his mouth or something. <laughs> There's just just big glob, and you hear Jesse just go, "Oh, <laughs> this is why I wish Charlie was here." The "Oh," and then goes, "You see that, Ross? You see that? Oh, disgusting!" Um, and it's just like it's there. It's just just like the beer to Vader when they point it out. It's so much more there. It becomes bigger. It's it's just weird. Um, then Jesse and Jim Ross get a little more chippy with each other. You ever been to a chiropractor, Jim Ross? A few times. For what? <laughs> like, Ross, Jerry, Jim Ross tries to turn that into an insult. Says, every time I work with you, I got a pain in my neck. But Jesse just no-sales it. Keeps on rolling. And then starts... Uh, Saying, oh, well, you get hurt when you're playing croquet? <laughs> like, like, dig, it's just, these are so, it, and there's a lot of this just because it's, it's like, oh, man, this is what I'm here for yeah. uh, on here. So then Jesse Ventura has given us actually some expert, you know, former wrestling analysis here saying that uh, it is legal to kick with the heel of the foot uh, and the boot, but not with the toe. So, what's weird, though, is this is 1992. I think Goldberg was asleep during this match, so he didn't hear that. Um, so, he missed that on training day. You know, it's, it's, Bret Hart loved that joke. He gave it a 5 out of 10. So, that's the best thing he's ever heard. So, um, the, this house so had that my, that's, this just, this is how long the match felt, just like my notes here. Um, so, I kind of did this on purpose, is... One of my least favorite things in any tag match is the, oh, no, the ref didn't see the tag. I hate this. I hate it. Because there are all kinds of tags that the ref doesn't see. Yeah. And so suddenly it matters. So, but that's still the least clusterfucky because that leads into the convoluted crap that you pointed out um, with everything. And just, that's where this, this just stupid bullshit not finish comes in and you know like this should be there's no like later on there's there's something that's interesting that said but no one like jim ross or jesse ventura don't go well dang if it went to a draw steve williams and steve austin definitely deserve another shot at these titles folks maybe with a longer time limit or no time limit nothing yeah nothing Nothing. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense like this is a this is a, a haphazardly put together tag team last minute. Why the hell are they going to a draw? Like, there is nothing wrong with them losing. You know what I mean? Right. At all. Like, yeah, you, they take them. Like, they take them. Get to the twenty minute mark, and they lose. Bam. And they lose. Like, they lose just as they starting to click. Would be great. Yeah. Because it's like okay, so if this is their first time wrestling together. Let them go again. You know, another day. Nothing. Um, I gave this miserable drawing match um i I, a four a four yeah that's that's still fair i mean like it's not the worst but man they they try really hard to make it the worst uh with some of that bullshit but i love this i love this image here vader my title now uh (laughs) still holding it doing doesn't enter we got we have um interview with paul i mean i love the idea of this paul like the if the dangerous alliance would reform with vader and harley race and all of this, that would be really cool. That would have been, oh, a, dude, would have been awesome. Dude, yeah, that's that's your new, really your new horseman, Rick Rude, Vader. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Shit. And just bring, yeah, exactly. 
So here we go. Like, um, if you want to see another glimpse into the future of what Philadelphia is going to love, this is it. Paulie or um, Medusa comes out. Paulie doesn't like it. He fires her. And not only that, like, just gets, I mean, you want to get on the misogynistic train, all aboard. Here it comes. Uh, he spells fired for her because she's a woman. And on top of that, saying not only, not only that she's too stupid to understand, he says, quote, he, I hired you because the other hooker had a previous engagement. And the crowd eats it up and Medusa in a tremendous spot just flips out and just wrecks Paulie and the crowd loves it it's a yeah it's she's crying at one oh point. yeah it's it's well done this is well done I mean it's awful but it's well executed in terms of this guy is going to be the biggest heel possible in this moment and you're going to have mm-hmm. to sell it so that you're the biggest baby face in this moment. And the crowd completely goes with it. It's great. It's very well done for all the bad guys. Now, content. what's weird, what's weird, though, is after this barrage of misogyny, uh, and it, it gets a little more. They, Paul Paulie's like, you know, I'm going to go ahead. I think I'm going to start the Attitude Era off mic. Um because after he comes up and there's all the scramble and everything, he starts screaming, you bitch, you bitch. <laughs> Sorry for peeking there. It is just like, I was like, holy crap. Someone said bitch on WCW TV in 1992. It's just like, it is so, watching this, it is so weird because, you know, like you, this, the crowd eating up this just misogynistic stuff. And but at the same time, waiting for her to to give her comeuppance um, to him, and just all that, and then the just the kick, man, that is a gnarly looking kick. Oh yeah. Um, so it does, and then his reaction post with the bitch stuff. It's so I was part of me is going, was that was that real? <laughs> <laughs> like, just which is good, which is what it, wrestling yeah. should do. Yeah. I mean, just it, you know. You're supposed to, I mean, even if you're, oh, I'm a smart fan, blah, 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 who, who cares? You're just supposed to let your, you, you know, let be consumed by disbelief. And this, I was like, I don't know if this is real. Um, so thank God, it, I, I don't think, it, thank God it wasn't. Um, because I wouldn't want to actually see someone get treated like that. Of course, so. of course. And I mean, Paulie, there's nobody better to do this than Paulie. Like, nobody better in the history of wrestling. He'll do this many more times for years to come. I The way he punches this joke, it's like he, he pulls this joke, repackages it, and does the Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. It's the, It has yeah. that same type of power behind it that he breaks out years later. But um, it's just so funny then. How do you follow up that? You follow it up with, how do you follow up that segment? Well, it's time to spin the wheel, Jason. And now I, let's go over... Real quick, all of the, as you mentioned, Spinner's Choice. <laughs> um, we've got Coal Miner's Glove, Lumberjacks with Straps, Texas Death, Cage, I Quit, First Blood, Barbed Wire, Texas Bull Rope, Prince of Darkness, and... Uh, yes, I was, I, I, I was like, what? what is that? <laughs> I know. And you got it, like, 
So clearly this wheel was not gimmicked. It was just they were going to spin it, and wherever it landed is wherever it landed. You had to know that people were backstage, like, just wanting this to fail. And fail it did, because it lands on the one where you're like, of all the things we mentioned, probably the one that, like, your mind doesn't spend two seconds on is coal miner's glove? What? Yep, because the rest of the night, commentary has to go into overtime. Yes. Like, building the, just the strength of this glove. It's a steel, first it's a steel-plated glove. Then it's a, a a hard, durable glove on the inside. Right. And then at the end, it's just some leather piece of shit. Yeah. Stick up there looking like AJ Styles' hand in the fucking graveyard match. Yeah. What, boneyard match. Yeah. It's like, oh, um, kind of thing. So, yeah. And it's just, it's it's not, it. this is boring. Way, like, they take way too long to lift this wheel. Great design. Yeah. I understand. You don't want to fuck it up. Maybe already have that on stage. Yeah, because someone had to come out and connect the the lever to the wheel. Yeah, and no one bothers to tell Sting where to stand, and he's so disappointed in the outcome that Tony's like, "We get worse." And Sting's just like, "Fuck," and walks off stage. Um, one of the coolest things I read was some uh, as far as the the NXT Halloween Havoc coming up is someone's like, "Well, they should rig it." Because the, the wheel, I think, is digital, which kind of sucks because you can rig a digital wheel yeah. um, with what they're doing. But someone was like, well, the wheel should spin and land on Coldminer's glove. And Sting pops out and goes, no! <laughs> makes an appearance in NXT. No! And and spins again. Um, so, which, I, part of me kind of hopes it's a... I'm, I'm jumping ahead of something, but I, don't, I know you don't watch NXT regularly. Right. Um, I don't watch it regularly either. I more keep up with like highlights videos and stuff. Um, but there's just been, since they introduced the, the spin the wheel, make the deal concept for NXT, Johnny Gargano has entered into a feud with wheels. He hates wheels. He's like, I hate wheels. They're the stupidest thing ever. His wife goes, our car has wheels. He goes, it doesn't need them. Um, they have a practice wheel at home. So that he and can because both he and Candice, their matches are the spin the wheel matches, and they're trying to he's trying to spin the little mini wheel. He wants to get good at it so he can spin it just the right to get the match that'll work out best for him, um, which is a bit. He just keeps going. Why did this wheel? Because it's been like ridiculous, all like cage, barbed wire. Like I'll he's like, why does this wheel want to kill me? Um, it, it's this great thing. So it would be funny after all that build up if his lands on the coal miners club match. Yeah, it really would be. It would be because you're. You nailed it in terms of like, you know, they must have been like, "Fuck!" Now we got to sell this thing. We got to sell this thing. We yeah. got to sell it now. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's doomed to fail from the very start, just because it also seems like Sting and Jake don't even understand, like the important, like. Well, we'll get to it. We'll get to that. We'll yeah, get to that. Because I, yeah. I was going to say someone else didn't understand it either, but we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, wait. Of course, uh, yeah. Um, all right, so. Oh man! All right. So before let's let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and now we got to do this. If you thought the Broadway for the tag team title match was great, wait till we get into this NWA World Title mess. It's Chono versus Rude up next. Hey, this is the franchise Shane Douglas, and you're listening to the New World Rising. <laughs> yeah.
Alright guys, we're back. And... Yeah. So... Alright. Way back... Well, not way back. Not too long ago, Mashiro Chono and Rick Rude wrestled in the uh, in the finals of uh, the, the G1 Classic, I think it was, for the NWA World title to decide this title. Who was going to hold this title again? It's an amazing match. That's what I've heard, at least. I haven't seen it. I've read multiple reports about how good it was. I need to watch it just to be able to get the framing for it. Off the wall's good. This is not as good as whatever people said about that match. This is not it. Um, and I want to... Oh, I forgot to throw the joke in, Jason, that yeah, nobody wanted to see a coal miner's glove match, including Rick Rude's mustache, because it didn't want to... It didn't show up either. But, well, that's... I, I, I have it on here. It's because uh, it does look so awkward. He looks like Superman in Justice League with the CGI yeah, reboot mustache. Yeah, it, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look real. Yeah, it's, it's like this isn't this isn't that that's that's why he lost. That wasn't Rick Rude. Um, Jay. I mean, let's just call it what it is. This is boring, badly boring. Like nobody wants to do anything here, and I don't know why. Um, of course, we have to mention the fact that there's a coin toss and. Race is going to, Harley Race is going to be, is Rick Rude's referee. He's going to be in the ring. Um, Sasuke, isn't that, did I mess that up? Is it Sasuke? It's Sasuke, right? I don't know. Okay. And I'm not saying that in a, <laughs> I'll get to it. I don't know. It's a, because Capetta doesn't know either. Um, I'll just say that because. I think it's Sasuke. Uh, I'm sorry. I, he says, we will check Rick Rude's selection. And the Japanese selection. <laughs> so he doesn't even know Chono. Doesn't even know Chono. This is the Japanese selection. It's um, right. yeah. It's it's just, yeah. It yeah. Sasaki. Um. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. All right. Um. It's just a boring match. It's rest hold after rest hold after rest hold. The the crowd doesn't like it. There's a fight that breaks out that's more interesting in mm-hmm. the crowd than this. This and of course we want Flair is something we hear throughout it. Um, the, I, I mean, I, I love that we have to have back-to-back dusty finishes. Isn't that great? You get one, then we have to get we get those two segments, and then guess what, folks? We're just revving you up for another one. Well, to be fair, the wheel was a half hour. That's true, yeah. So we've forgotten about right. it by now. Um, just, yeah, it, yeah, come on. Um, why not just let them do the same match they did in Japan? Only it's on American TV. Sure, I mean, like I, exactly. That's why I just don't understand. I don't understand. Clearly, like when a match is like locked in, it, it, when a match is like this, we've seen this. We saw WrestleMania twenty, Lesnar and Goldberg, like two guys didn't want to do business. It's just weird since you just said it. These guys did it in Japan. They did this, and it was a classic. Apparently, by for all intents and purposes. So what happened here? Like, what was the deal with people not wanting to do business? Is it just the fact that the NWA title, with it being in the U.S., they didn't want to, uh, you know, didn't want to give Rick Rude too much or whatever? I don't know. It just seems weird. It's a very weird match, and I and I will. I think, I think this really kills the show. I I think this sets. I think it sets the. I think it sets the show on a bad like. You could recover from the tag match. You could. I don't think you could recover from. I don't think it had a. I don't think it, it recovered from this. Especially because of the piss poor logic with the decision making. Yeah. 
at the end of it. And we'll, we'll, I'll, we'll, I'll get more detail of that. I don't want to bury that lead um, with this one. And yeah, I'm, I got to come up with something else to say besides bury the lead um, because it just seems like everyone's doing that tonight uh, on this this stupid show, um, or at least making me want to say it. But it's boring sucks when boring is used in a sentence that has Rick Rude in it. Rick Rude, it's hard to believe there is boring in Rick Rude. Um, Because he is such an entertaining person, uh, great wrestler. One, like as a kid, I wanted to hate him. Now I'm an adult. I love him. Uh, he's the best. He's just one of the best things. Um, I think I figured out the formula to his excellent selling. Is I think Rick Rude fakes passing kidney stones every match, <laughs> and that's how he sells. Because watch him. Yeah. He when he's going, he's selling an armbar or a wrist lock or something, but he he scrunches up, he puts his knees together, sucks in kind of at his groin. And then p- makes this hit this face like he is. It hurts to pee, and it works. Like it works because it's it's still. I mean, it's just from his wrist lock, which is weird because his abdomen is invincible. You know, like I love that's one of the things. What that that first match where he's just standing there doing his flex, and who was it that's just like waylaying on his abs, and he's just like no selling yeah. it. It's just it's great. Um, but if if we're gonna dig right into it. We go more Jesse, uh, which it doesn't get old because it's it's also bad and just seems to be bad on purpose. Because um, Jim Ross, of course, because there are how does he put it? Uh, international flavor to this match because uh, there, there's so much and everyone's names are so hard to say that uh, he says he can't do it, but then Jesse says he can do it because all Minnesotans speak Japanese as a sacred language. And that's why their economy is so good. Um, and it's just like, oh my God. And then Jim Ross keeps going, you say it. And he's like, well, I don't feel like it. Like, good stuff, but still, it's just kind of really pointing on the whole, like, just the, the bits. And I don't know if Jesse can say it or not. It's not the point. It's just, it's hilarious because it's it. I think he may have watched one or two Matches that Jim Ross has called so we can get a feel for him. I don't know. And they both happen to be ones with people from other countries that Jim Ross just wants to purposely butcher their names on, um, on here. But he goes through it. Here's when we're talking about how boring this match is. You want to know what can make a boring match feel even longer and more boring? When someone tells you how much time has passed every five minutes. Oh, 20, yeah. minute time, 20 minute time limit. I get it because five minutes have passed. In a 20-minute timeline match, that's a quarter of the matches. Isn't time. it so weird that the the tag team title that is a 30-minute, but the world title is only 20 minutes? Well, this one wasn't. That's where I was getting at. This this one wasn't. This was a one-hour Oh, it was. Match. I'm sorry. This, this I was match, thinking of... This yeah. match had a one-hour. Oh, that's what I was talking about. So when a match is one, you know, could potentially go one hour, and this is a long match... And every five minutes, someone's telling you how long it's been. It is, it is dreadful. Maybe do it in a, you know, okay, 15 minutes have passed, and then 30, and then, you know, then eventually break it down. But, but it, I just noticed it. And I'm like, 
God. This is, it was like, I felt like for a minute I was in a, a hospital waiting room. Yeah. Just, would just, just come on, please. Something going on. Um, Jesse goes right into it again because Jim Ross says, This ain't bodybuilding and posing, folks. That's the other guy. Jim Ross goes, That's, or sorry, Jesse goes, That's right. Then he waits a second and goes, Well, Rick Rude poses occasionally. <laughs> I was like, Holy shit, man. It's, yeah. <laughs> Um, then we go into the, the greatness that is Rick Rude and and him and, and him as his and Medusa's act, which Medusa's back to being a heel, I guess. You know, like uh, is is because Ch- Chono just gets into a Daniel Bryan s flurry of yes kicks onto Rick Rude's kidneys from the back, which as I mentioned, his abdomen is is invulnerable. His his lower back is not. Um, so he drives him right to the kidneys, and Rick Rude gets out of the ring goes in front of Medusa, bends over, and Medusa just starts massaging his kidneys. Yeah. Great. I, I, I love <laughs> I that. It's, it's not, it's just like that. That's, that's what I want a bad manager to do. Not just stand there and yell, not just try to cheat, but to help. You don't have to cheat to help somebody. Right. Uh, and, and I thought that was so fucking cool. Um, and then it's, it's just going that, uh, how, long and drawn out and boring my notes on <laughs> in this match but it was at this point in the match that i noticed that fraud claude van damme in the front row <laughs> had been finally made to put on a t-shirt and if you want to know who i'm talking about if you watch this he's one of the guys you'll see a lot pop up in ecw but he's <clears throat> he's over to the far left of the dudes but he's the reason why i call him fraud claude van damme is because he's dressed like van damme from the the dance scene from kickboxer um, and you keep seeing him pulling out this big camera and taking pictures and everything. It's it's there. He's, he's just like one of those people that's very distracting without trying to be. He's not doing anything obnoxious. You know, he's he's not Brock Lesnar guy. He's not green shirt guy or skinny Nathan explosion. He's not there to be like, I'm here. He's just there having a good fucking time. But, man, is he distracting. Um, then Rick Rude shows everyone how to block John Cena's shitty S, uh, STFU. <laughs> Uh, by you just put your face on the mat and put your hands behind your head and they can't get you. They can't get you. It, it's so deep. I know. Um, and then here we go, more Jesse. But this isn't just a um, pointing out Jesse trolling for trolling. This is important. Is he then, Jesse points out the uselessness of the official outside. This whole time, this whole who's going to be, who's, who's ref, Jack, he is not involved with the match at all. Because all Jesse says he's doing is he just keeps going over and has nothing better to do than to bother Medusa. And he just keeps walking over there. Um, and Jesse Ventura is 100% right. So, I can't. how many dual official matches can you remember? Um, Alright, so I know we've done... I feel like we've run into this this season already. I feel like we've done one... Or two. Now, would now to add on to that though, with the dual officials, how many of them have had someone that's actually a wrestler or personality? Oh, um, like, oh, it, even not just with us. I mean, even throughout all of wrestling that you've brought. right. Most of the time, like your guy on the outside is is like a celebrity, like Mike Tyson. Right. Yeah, right. It's or because the, they're the enforcer, right. quote quote. Right. right? So. That going into that, that, so if you're going to have two officials in a match, and one of them is someone who, you know, by default, is 
a bad guy going to hardly fucking race. Have the boring guy be the actual ref and let the entertaining dude be the guy on the outside. Because I felt like there was just this this guy supposed to do something. He's just standing there. And it's not his fault. I'm not I'm not blaming him. Um, it's just, it makes more sense to me. It'd be like if you're going to have, if, if somehow there was like a match, like if it was Hogan-Andre and there were going to be two refs, and so you have whoever ref is, and then Bobby Heenan's a ref. Bobby Heenan would be better, I mean, would probably be better to be the ref on the outside. Because then he could do, the, you could still get the guy who's running the match, do what he needs to do, and then you get the personality stuff. Harley Race, because Harley Race throughout this match, pretty fucking fair. Yeah. No cheating. No fast counts. No slow counts. No ignoring things that should require a hold. He's just there. I was, in my head, I'm like, is this like some kind of weird face turn for everybody? It, it, because there's none of that. Um, and this, the, the, the fight breaks out in this boring slog of, of Rick Rude putting Masahiro Chono in a chin lock forever. Um, and then you get the, here comes the dusty shenanigans. Harley Race takes a big boot, gets kicked out of the ring, lands on the other ref who, for the first time, the, or other than the go bother Medusa, is not in position at his corner, sitting there watching. Um, then Masahiro Chono ch- throws Rick Rude out of the ring, lands onto both refs. Rick Rude finally gets in, hits the Rude Awakening, crowd fucking goes nuts. Yeah. Um, and then... There's no ref for the pin. Then Harley comes back in. Uh, to I I don't even remember. It's it's but seriously, okay, yeah, no, it's the the Japanese guy crawls in, gets the declares something. Harley Race goes no. Rick Rude wins by DQ. And so there's this and that's the comes the official decision because Rick Rude tossed. Or, sorry, because Chono tossed Rick Rude over the top. Right. So, here's where the problem with the logic breaks down. Sorry to go on and on, but I want to build it. So, the whole night, or now up to this point, we've had, who's going to be the ref? Oh, well, Rick Rude's doing this whole alliance thing with Harley Race, letting, letting Vader wrestle on his behalf, getting Harley to be the official. Harley does nothing cheating in the match. The other ref calls for a finish. Harley goes, no, Rick Rude wins. The guy I want to win, the NWA championship, wins. But he wins by DQ. So he doesn't get the belt. Yeah, it's stupid. Like, it's just dumb. This whole thing is dumb. Because doesn't Rude tap out to the STF, too? Isn't that involved in this? I don't don't think. I, I don't know. I don't remember if he did or not because I'm these spots with it, the all the submission stuff goes on way yeah. too long and I lose interest um, in it and and start paying attention because it's, it, it's weird it's like during the it, with with stuff going on he might have had that's when I was like oh Jean Claude Van Damme whoever um, but I give this match a four Ooh. there you go because reasons because it was like 40 minutes of my life. Um, so I was like, hey, it's got to be worth somebody's time. Um, but then, oh, this is why I had turned a page here. This is why I gave it a four. is because Jesse Ventura goes full Hiroshima, pun intended with this this on this on bit, 
um, as he goes, I don't go for this Japanese nationalism here in Philadelphia. Then Jim Ross drops his own nuke and just goes, it's not the UN, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, like, ooh, there he is. There's Jim Ross after four or five drinks. <laughs> Just wait. A few more of those uh, peaches, those uh, peach iced teas under the table. Unsweet, Sonic peach iced teas. <laughs> I think he got, Jim Ross got a little horny because he kept looking over and seeing the dudes that during the boring parts, like it was funny, is the same group of guys that are going to be ECW fan fixtures from years are, they're in the front row and they're just staring a hole through Medusa, but they're yelling like they're yelling at a match. <laughs> so it's, it's like maybe Jim Ross just got a little, he just started rubbing himself. You know, doing a Rudy Giuliani, tucking his shirt in. Oh, no. Just sitting Rudy. back. Rudy. Mm, mm, he might be. He might be there. I'm a, I'm a big man. I got to lay back to tuck my shirt in. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Which is why I'm going for Untucked here on Jim Ross After Dark. That's our sponsor this week. Untucked. The business suits that don't require a tuck in. Cut, spit, perfectly for you. <laughs> Do you want to jerk one in front of a potentially 15-year-old girl? Do what you gotta do, but you can't use your shirt as an expense and an excuse. Use the promo code Peaches and My Cream for fifteen percent off. Let me uh, let me tell you, hey, let me tell you guys about Mac Weldon. <laughs> <laughs> I had a Zoom meeting with Anna J. It didn't go as planned. <laughs> Just that's still because we haven't recorded since then. The we've done a lot of just Jim Ross after yeah. dark jokes, yes. texting back and forth, and I don't. I hope to God some of them never get the light of day because <laughs> it, <laughs> it's just more of those. Just how fucked up can we get? But that bit and his reaction when when he said that when he's like, did Anna J have a wardrobe malfunction, or is that just wishful thinking? And everybody jumped on his ass, rightfully so, right? Because right? I mean that's not cool. And then his his apology tweet, where he said it and he didn't mean it, and then he skips a few lines and just goes, basically says, "Get over it." <laughs> it's, it's made even better because on the Botchamania, after this particular incident, just rolling through, you see the you see the bit from the pay per view, you see the comment, it rolls up, Jim Ross's tweet, you see the top part, and then. Starts playing the chorus from Henry Rollins' Liar. <laughs> it shows the bottom part where him just being so salty and saying getting over it. I love it. It's just like, part of me goes, he's he is a mean old bastard. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he's taking pictures of his nuts and putting them on Twitter. It's crazy. Um, I'm just kind of delaying the inevitable here because we're also about to get a very, very, very boring match. Ooh, man. And this, this, next, this next match really hurts. This is like your ribs are breaking in a match, and you're not going to be able to breathe really well afterwards. That's what makes it extra painful. By the way, I gave that match a three. I hated it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, could, I, I thought it was less than a four from your ooh. Yeah. Um, up next, way to bury this one. After an amazing, you know, a couple shows ago we talked about it, an amazing, it's a sentimental win. It It's one of the all-time feel-good moments in pro wrestling. WCW world champion Ron Simmons, on a tear, folks. He uh, beat Cactus Jack at um, 
Clash 20. Well, guess what, folks? Tonight we're really ramping up. He's defending against the Barbarian. Woo! Because, you know, Vader's got nothing to do but wrestle for Rick Rude. All right, so I'll try and keep this succinct because uh, this is not a good match. Like, Halloween Havoc a year prior is Ron Simmons' first big singles match. It's that massive build up to Lex Luger. It's a huge match. He comes up short, but he really shows that he can go in a big main event match, right? Like it's a big deal. It means a lot. Mm-hmm. A year later, he's got the WCW World Title. It's awesome. But he's still not the main event. But he's not even close to the main event. And he's wrestling a guy who's not even going to make it feel like it's close to a main event at all. And it's nothing against a barbarian. He's a good hand. He's good for tag teams. He's good for a five-minute worldwide match or whatever. To have him in a match, and I forget even how long this goes, but a match of any significance like, is a brutal disservice to someone like Ron Simmons who needed, you know, in order to get your champion over, you've got to have those high-quality matches. Maybe they're not like blood feuds or whatever that he's having to fend off the biggest heel in the world, but... They've got to be quality matches that have to go under his belt so that you believe. And the thing is, like, we already know Ron Simmons could just trounce this guy. No problem, because it's not like we believe that the Barbarian was this unstoppable force already. But on top of that, the Barbarian's not the type of wrestler that you can go beyond 10 minutes and really have, like, this, your your classic good babyface heel match. I, I mean... The Barbarian's a brawler. You know, he's not going to... I mean, I, I hesitate to even speak about his Goldberg match. I can't remember it, but I'm pretty sure it ends pretty quick. Like, Goldberg just buried him. This match, like, they, it's almost like they're treating it like this is him against Luger again, but the Barbarian is not Lex Luger, and especially not 1991 Lex Luger. You can say a lot about Lex Luger after 91, but in those years... Right. Yeah, and I mean, those early WCW years, like, Luger was a force, and... This match is such a brutal disservice to him. And, yeah, I know, like, they try to – I think they bring Cactus out, poor bastard. They bring him out here to do some to do some work, and um, it doesn't really help. Uh, Simmons, of course, will get the win with a, a power slam out of nowhere here and everything. But I just feel really bad because this match just further just kind of – further makes me – feel like that Ron Simmons isn't going to have this title for long, especially when Vader just destroys like the number one contender for the U.S. title earlier in the night. I don't like this, this. This is a sad match to watch in a lot of ways for me. So what do you think about it, man? I thought this was the just if it not for the coal miners glove, this is the worst match because of pretty much what you said. Like taking everything out it's not a it's not a Haas match I mean they're they're two big dudes but it's still just it doesn't even feel like a Haas match or as as Big E put it big meaty men slapping meat which is a great I mean like as funny as that is it's like sometimes I do I just want to see big ass dudes throw down and this isn't that right I know we're not watching we're, we're not back in 92 we're not watching the TVs and stuff but we're not seeing like so we're, we're not seeing if they're doing anything with barbarian and it's not like there's a sergeant buddy Lee Parker yet for him to throw around and and look you know fucking brutal it's just it's it's bad no other way around it um 
but you know it's Ron Simmons, so you know what that means. Oh yeah, oh all because Jim Chops. Here we go, Burt Reynolds, Chops. the whole show. <laughs> yep, I mean we get first we get uh, Barbarian. Let's just talk. His his music doesn't fit. No, <laughs> it's like way up. I'm I'm thinking, oh man, the Barbarian, and then I hear something that kind of sounds like music I'd hear at a grocery store. I go, huh, all right. Um, but then Ron Simmons, man, he gets the works for this entrance because he gets the Goldberg entrance with a conga line twist because for some reason they're all touching shoulders and bopping. Um, and, and it's real awkward. And Teddy Long's back with Ron Simmons because wasn't it just like a little over? Because last, you see, said last year was the Bill, was the Luger. Yeah. So shortly before that was Butch Reed right. and the split up of Doom. And Teddy Long took Reed's side. So. But he's just there to hold the belt, and then he disappears. Jesse Ventura brings it. Oh, where's oh you get a lot of hangers on? See, where's where's Teddy Long? Oh, he's in the back, probably going through his wallet. Jeez, Teddy. Um, and Jim Ross going. You, you know, you know that Burt Reynolds is watching this match. With right. Him. You know he is, because Burt Reynolds is such a huge fucking fan of Ron Simmons that he wanted him to be in Cannibal Run Three. But the script set in pre-production hell for years until it was made to Fast Five with Ron Simmons' role going to The Rock. So that's what happened to Cannibal Run 3 because that's how big of a fucking fan. I'm so sick of hearing it. I know. You can go to the same school as somebody. I'm going to finish up part of, I'm going to finish up my associate's degree at one school and then I'm going to go to another school, Anderson University. AJ Styles is one of the freaking alumni from that. Doesn't mean I'm going to jack off every time I see an AJ Styles match. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. There just, we go. It just makes it just That's makes hot. me mad. That's some good content yeah. right there. It is, folks. You get what you fucking pay for, and you're going to pay me to not talk about jacking off. Um, but the reason why I'm just getting so hard and heavy is Jesse <laughs> does my favorite thing uh, that he's done all night, and that's talk shit about the Braves losing. Oh. Um, oh yeah. Because oh, yeah. this is a this is a special Braves loss running for me because 1992 my stepmom was pregnant with my sister for some reason my dad's family decided to come up and visit oh, us oh boy this, this isn't going to be a good story is it jay oh man it's going to be sad folks grab a towel just don't get the same one you clean up your you come with or else your eyes will get pregnant so my stepmom's pregnant with my sister my dad's mom his brother, one of his brothers, his cool sister, the one that got me the Ron Simmons autograph, comes up. And they're there, and my dad's there. And so, October 24th, Atlanta Braves lose to the Toronto Blue Jays, the World Series. I'm so happy. I've notated and documented before why I hate the Braves. Nothing bad, nothing against them. They just sucked the entire time my great-grandfather was alive, and he loved them. Decided to be worth a damn the year he died of cancer. Fuck you, I'll forever hate you. But, so I'm there, rooting against the Braves. Here's my whole family. They're all from Warner Robins, Georgia. They're on the fucking Braves dick, like they're John Glavin groupies or something. I'm rooting John against them. John Glavin? Yeah, whoever he was. <laughs> anyway, Chipper Jones. Fuck it, yeah, they're, they're on Chipper Jones nuts. So, uh, I'm sitting there, Braves with Blues. I'm excited. My dad's brother turns to me and says, 
you should know better. You should be raised better. And I was like, to boo a baseball team? I was like, no. And this is 12-year-old me. Not not the master wordsmith I am today. And I'm like, that's fucking stupid. I think it's the first time I said fuck to a family member. My dad's brother backhands me, knocks a tooth out. My grandmother looks at me and she says, you deserve that for booing the Braves. I'm bleeding, I'm crying, I'm 12. I got backhanded by a family member. You deserve that for booing the Braves. 24 hours later, Jesse Ventura, my fucking hero, on TV, shitting on the Braves for losing again. The only question I've got is did Harley Race come out and disqualify them for knocking your tooth out? Because that clearly would be against NWA rules. There should not be any, like, the, uh, you know. Well, that's only if my tooth were to have flown over the top rope and or hit the right. rope post. Okay. Man, that's that's so, a brutal story, Jay. Um, it's brutal. But lots of shoulder blocks, lots of shoulder tackles <laughs> getting in. So th- th- the, that silly emotional story had a point because that's how depressing this match is. Oh man! For to 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 go back, um, just it it's it's miserable. Cactus Jack can't make it any in- more interesting because he's got a major torn groin apparently, um, and the Barbarian takes all the fun out of a Cobra Clutch. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you take all the fun out of a Cobra Clutch in a wrestling city like Philadelphia. They'd go it. Ron Simmons hits him with a three-point stance. The Barbarian's up within seconds. But then Ron Simmons hits the Barbarian with the nine most dangerous letters in professional wrestling. P-O-W-E-R-S-L-A-M. Out of nowhere. Uh, and then this match gets a three. Yeah, I same. Three. Like, it's... Yeah. And uh, I, I, I don't know what's better... Um, having that story come out of nowhere I mean like that was like a Russian sickle just to the audience you just gave me just like fuck you uh, yeah I, I prefer to call it a Jake the Snake left arm deep oh yeah I got you because <laughs> it's limp and it's going to leave you wanting more uh, so. what's it, I, I know you want to get so we have the we have Tony and Bruno analyzing this joined by Eric Watts awesome for some reason awesome what a great choice. And not to, not to, here's, you know, yes, nepotism is alive today. And it was alive then. But at least Eric Watts is like a big dude. Yeah. You know, like he's towering. He's physically towering over the person who's held the world, a world heavyweight championship the longest of anybody ever will. Yeah. Um, so great. You know what? So, so neat. Just maybe not the best person to send out to do a random ass promo because he says WCW gave the people part of what they paid for. Right. Yeah, it not what you paid for. We gave you part of what you paid for. Well, give me part of them. Exactly. Back. Yeah, he he bombs this. Um and it's a and, and in some ways it's the perfect setup to this just I mean this was all the build, man. This is why you bought the ticket. You didn't buy it for any of the other things. So everything else could have right. sucked up to this point and most of it did. So it could be all redeemed though with one great like finale to send everybody home. And don't get me wrong, like they 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 try they try to do it, but unfortunately, like this coal miners glove thing is just such a train wreck because it's a something on a pole match, which sucks. Like it's just never good. And 
it never feels like that glove is really going to be this devastating thing once they get it, once Sting and Jake get it. And, um, you know, um, I, I, I tried to like, how, how would I say, I, I tried to, an exercise, I was like, all right, just using one words at a time, like word, dash, word, dash, you go through this match. And I was like, well, I'll just go through the, I guess, the sequence of the end. Cactus, snake, sting, glove, snake, bite, Jake, pen. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a weird finish where it's like, because if the idea was to get the glove, you're going to mess the guy up. Well, that kind of gets abandoned. And it's like, well, I'll just get the snake instead. And it's like, well, then that doesn't make this match all that important anymore. And I, right. I always remember this because I had this a Sting mixtape back in the day, Sting Unmasked or whatever, and it showed this. So I saw this finish so many times where, you know, Sting is able to hit Jake with the glove. The snake bites Jake. He gets the one, two, three, and it just it looks so sad because Jake Jake doesn't look like he's all the way there. Probably concussed, as they were saying. Probably other things going on as well. I, you know, don't get me wrong. They're they're they they have moments of suspense in here that they try. Like, oh, is he gonna get it? Oh no! Now he's gonna try and get it. Oh no! And they 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 have those in there, but it just never really feels like the end result. And I mean, hey, look, Nightstick on a pole sucked. Everyone, anything that's ever been on a pole, including uh, Buff Bagel's mom, has sucked. So it. I mean, th- this one is just happens to be like the the titular Halloween Havoc spin the wheel, make the deal match. So um, what'd you think of it, man? This it's all that production value, all that marketing budget, because it wasn't just shown during uh, WCW stuff on TBS. This was like shown on other stuff with TBS. I think there, uh, you know, there was shown during the Braves games as the season was closing, right? So it was like, look at this. You'd see like brief, you know, just thirty second summary of the spin the wheel make the deal video. This is it, man. This is this is Kiss playing at the end of the fucking world, intense supposed to be, and we get this. Um, and I think the same. And it's not just the the disappointment of the match. I think they really weren't counting on something. I don't know why you put something on the wheel that you weren't ready to go all in on, especially if you're going to do the the wheel stipulation an hour plus before this match, so you got time to kind of figure out what you're going to do, because that fucking pole is like nine feet tall. Yeah, it's a big pole. After it's on the ring, yeah. um, and it looks like it's barely there. Like I know it's in like like it's it's shoved down into a section. So that it's kind of held, but still, that section is only maybe a foot. So you still got like eight feet of pole hanging above, with the glove just stuck on the top, like the saddest Christmas tree topper ever, and have these these two hundred and forty pound plus dudes are supposed to climb up there and get this pole, um, sorry, get this glove off the pole. It's it's no. It's just bad. And then the the thing is, too, is by this point, Jesse and Jim Ross have given up on trying to sell this. Because uh, Jim Ross, or Jesse Uterian points out how dumb the glove is. 
uh, saying that you can still win the match without the glove. Right. Pinfall or submission, you can still win the coal miners glove match without using a club. Um, somehow, I think this is, is this where Jake maybe DDTs himself? Because he goes for a running knee lift on Sting and Jake sells it? Yeah. Because he just falls back like he was just shot, um, drops it. Um, they keep talking about how if Jake, if, D, if Jake lands that DDT, he can take all the time he wants to to get the glove. Jesse Ventura then says, well, he won't need to get the glove. He's hit the DDT. Um, Jesse or Sting, uh, Jake gets the DDT. It's with his left hand, which has been damaged for some reason. It's, like, it's not like the, hand, the arm he uses for the DDT is the one that's damaged, so he changes it up. Jake's like, fuck it. I'll use the one that's already hurt. Gets the DDT. Sting's only down for like a few seconds. Sting gets up, does this kind of super cool Sting stripper pole bit where he just sloops around, um, gets up, and then here's Cactus Jack is also involved with Jake the Snake. Yeah. He's just like, Cactus Jack is like, so he's king of the henchmen because he's got henchmen, but then he henches for other more popular people at this point. Um, he brings out the Cobra. They talked about the Cobra all night. Okay, Jake's got the snake, man. It's probably going to get good. Uh, but then here goes Sting. He, he just gets up while Jake's going for the glove. Sting's like, fuck it. I'm going to shoot my shot. Goes up, puts the glove on, come punches Jake in the kidney, which somehow makes Jake bring the snake up to his face. Yeah. Um, it, and it's horrible. I want to give Jake, though, a ton of fucking credit for that cell all the way from the ring to the back yeah. with holding the snake on his face, yeah. screaming, wailing, crawling, but not because of the performance, but because of the fucking death grip that he had on that Cobra. If imagine that oh, thing got yeah. loose. I mean, I know it's like it's devenomized and stuff, right. but you're in a Reno with Philly. Oh, God, <laughs> there's a snake um, on here. That's it. That was the most impressive thing in the whole fucking match was Jake the Snake holding on to the snake. Two. I was only slightly higher with a three, so I, I, I'm right. I'm. I mean, it just shows you the back half of this show is just dreadful. Just dreadful. But yeah, I think our just, our ratings are gonna be really really close here. In fact, let's see here. I mean, the, the highest I gave one something was five, and you came out of nowhere with a seven. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that seven really changed it up. All right, and I'll vamp while you do math. Okay, so, so yeah, I'm at. Oh yeah, that. he's good. At um, so cagematch.net has this at five point six four. You have it at a three point seven. I have it at a four point one. So not too not too different there, but our um, our combined um, <laughs> our. Uh, our combined scores here. It's like four point yeah, one. It's probably like well, it's about it would be a what three nine? Close, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's way off from Cage. Yeah. Match. And this is supposed to be a really lauded pay per view. It is, and I mean it's just like I mean, I I think I think what happens is a lot of people will still look beyond, like, the rude stuff or they'll look beyond, like, those rest holds and they'll still give that Chono-Rude match a higher thing or the the Wyndham, um, the Wyndham-Rhodes thing. I just, the, I can't. I mean, like, you know, I mean, I, I maybe it's because we've watched just so many of these shows by now throughout all our seasons that, like, you know, man, like, especially, like, when something's really hyped, like, 
you got to deliver. And when you don't, you get hit. And I mean, like, look, if you go back and listen to us from season two where we do post WrestleMania 17, man, there's a lot of crap. I mean, before Invasion, uh-huh. Backlash, Judgment Day, uh, those shows are bad. And Austin's the champion. So you think, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm all there for it, but there's a lot of bad matches on there too. A lot of bad. So, you know, it's just, this one is just in particular because of everything we've said. Like, I mean, you could not escape if you were a wrestling fan at the time and you were watching WCW, like, I mean, this, for all intents and purposes, like, no show was hyped like this the entire year, even more than Super Brawl 2, which was Sting, Luger, Belt, all of it on the line, even Wrestle War, like, Sting, Squadron versus Dangerous Alliance. Like, this was huge because it was Jake. It was huge because of the stip. It was huge because of the marketing that was uh, that, that elevated the stip. It was all that. And, man, it's such a colossal dud. And it just is, in a lot of ways, it's perfect because when you read all the stuff that was going on with with Bill Watts, what people were saying, what people were feeling at the time, like this just feels like yep, this is exactly what WCW deserved based on what the direction it was headed in. And it's no surprise that I, I don't I don't know exactly when Bill Watts leaves, but it is it's not far off from where we're at now. So you know, I mean to to just transition real quick, like as we move toward the end here it's funny, we've talked about it for years. Like, if there was any WCW property that needed to be absorbed into WWE in a proper way, in the proper canon, like, it would be a pay-per-view. You know, it's cool, we got Great American Bash, I got it. Like, it would, it works in the summer, it's a great July pay-per-view, absolutely. But it was always felt like such an omission to not have Halloween Havoc in the mix like it just seems so perfect especially in a time where it was just like october come on guys your product is down at this point in time do something and they did hell in a cell you know and i get it like hell in a cell sure kind of is in there but it's just too serious like halloween havoc is that perfect kind of campiness to it and it's it's a tad bittersweet that nxt gets it for like this midweek pay-per-view that's not even like a real sunday pay-per-view but it's nice to see it, you know. It's it's nice to see it in that regard, like Starcade and stuff like that. So that's all I'll say on it. I just thought it, it's 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 nice, but you know, it still kind of doesn't feel like it's getting the full treatment, you know. Right. Well, I mean, to to be fair, th- tomorrow is the last Sunday of the month, and they've got Hell in the Cell, right. so they can't do it. I don't think they're going to do. They wouldn't do a wrestling, even though it's you know, te- it's on the. USA Network, I don't think they would do a special on Halloween night, um, even though I don't know why, because ratings seem to not matter to them. But, like, the thing is, is Halloween Havoc, you can put a Hell in the Cell match in Halloween Havoc. It fits the theme. It fits the theme. You know, this Halloween, we go to hell. And and just you have some fun matches, have some crazy stuff. Have the one, you know, the one fucking blood feud that needs a Hell in a Cell match. Not an obligatory bunch of them, just because it's the name of the pay-per-view. The, the Halloween Havoc pay-per-view gives them an out, and it would be fun. Um, and I also I think this year should be uh, with, the, you know, they've already tested with uh, cinematic matches. Halloween Havoc would be fun cinematic matches. You 
it would be the really the one it's the one pay-per-view I'd be fine with like the fiend all over the place. Yeah. Because of the theme, right? Because of the theme. I think it would be fun. Um I think it'd be it'd be fantastic. It is it's cool um that it's it's in NXT. You know, I watch it. It's weird though because NXT has been hit with um lots of call-ups for nothing again and a lot of injuries all of a sudden. So there's just a lot of stuff pulled out, but still, I think it's it's gonna be fun because at where the benefit about it being NXT though is because it's the younger guys who grew up watching Halloween Havoc who are gonna want to make it something special because of that. Um, so you know, I hope we all have a good time. I hope we, I like I mentioned, I hope we get a coal miner on the pole spin, not necessarily a match, but a spin would be fun so yeah it'll be fun really looking forward to it well i hope you guys get to listen to this in your lead up to havoc you know i'm glad that we were able to still find a way again not the ideal circumstances how we wanted this episode to come together but you guys are going to be getting this so hopefully um you're listening to this maybe in your (laughs) if people midweek need to get prepped for halloween havoc i don't know i don't know but (laughs) maybe you're pre-game it with a little new blood rising i don't know but um, at the very hey, or if you're standing in line forever to vote, hey, we're here. Oh for yeah, you. yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll get you covered for a little bit. But if nothing else, guys, thanks a lot for checking in here uh, with us. Hopefully next time when we we're gonna be coming back, we got Clash of the Champions 21 uh, as our next show, and for that we'll be able to bring back i mean hopefully it'll be the three of us i'm hoping so we'll we'll figure out how we can do this again over a call and get this one recorded and everything and um yeah but in the meantime of course you guys can find us facebook new blood rising podcast on twitter at new blood pod i myself i am at william rankin 83 i'm at the jason keys you know where charlie is he's at cm underscore stabs Don't forget, rate, subscribe, review. Thank you so much. We'll see you all next time. Kick out! Kick out, Cactus! Goodbye, my friend. That's the goodbye. Goodbye, Cactus. Thanks for the great memories, buddy. You're going to be missed, Cactus. Godspeed, Mick Foley.